Rebel Force Radio is brought to you in part by Little Debbie Snacks, bakers of all galactic goodness, like mini donuts, star crunch, cosmic cupcakes, cosmic brownies, nutty bars, and much more. It's all about celebrating your love of a galaxy far, far away. And Little Debbie is the fan's choice for all those sweet moments. Little Debbie, official snack of Rebel Force Radio, Rancho Obi-Wan, and fans around the galaxy. DorksideToys.com. For the latest Star Wars action figures, Marvel, G.I. Joe, and more, visit DorksideToys.com. From Tops comes the all-new digital card collecting app, Star Wars Card Trader. For the first time ever, collect and trade everything from legendary 1977 Star Wars cards to new cards featuring exclusive content from Star Wars Episode 7: The Force Awakens, all from the comfort of your mobile device. Star Wars Card Trader. These are the cards you're looking for. Today's show is brought to you by Harry's. Please visit harrys.com and use the promo code RFR to save $5 off your first purchase. A small rebel force has penetrated the shield and landed on Endor. This is where the fun begins. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. All right, well, I am fresh from my fourth viewing, and it was a special one. If it was, It's a special one. If you're following me on uh, Facebook and the Rebel Force Radio, official Rebel Force Radio page, you'll see me in the theater with the missus. That's right. Mrs. Swank was my excuse for seeing it for the fourth time. First time I had to see it, you know, for the show and everything. The second time I had to see it for you know in 3D to compare it to, and then the third time I had to see it for the kids. I had to take the kids and the whole family, and then the fourth time I had to see it with my wife. I'm starting to run out of excuses. You uh, still haven't seen it with Pete Nadel. I haven't seen it with Pete, so that's going to be I think uh, lucky number five. Uh, but I'm uh, I'm thrilled to report that not only did Mrs. Swank love it, but uh, she cried. She did. She cried. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what makes it more amazing. But before I do that, I'm going to do a little introductions because we know there are new folks joining us all the time with all the excitement uh, surrounding the release of The Force Awakens. Um, we've got folks that are looking for Star Wars podcasts, and we know you find us, and you're going to stick with us, and we love it so much. So if you're new to the program, my name is Jason, and with me, my good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans. Yeah, Jason, just like you, I am fresh off my fourth viewing. I said to myself, I'm taking the day to dedicate myself to Star Wars. And I know, yeah, that sounds like a really different kind of day for me. But just considering the fact that there's been so much activity going on, both professionally and with the family and the holidays and everything, I really needed that one day. So I woke up this morning, got in a quick workout, recorded a Star Wars Oxygen with David Collins. Wait till you hear what David has to say about the soundtrack for The Force Awakens. And then I uh, ran out as soon as we had wrapped up that recording session. I ran out the door, saw it in IMAX 3D for the second time. Uh, by myself, just went solo this time, and um, just had a great time. And, and now I'm back in the saddle, and I'm uh, so excited to hear 
about Deb's experience in The Force Awakens, and uh, I want to know what made her cry. Well, I'll tell you what made me cry. A couple nights ago, I have my brother over. Now, my brother was with us when we did the big family outing uh, last Sunday to see it. So, you know, I grew up with my cousins and my brother. They were the Star Wars fans, and I was just sort of born into it. I was a Star Wars fan from birth. My first action, my first toys were action, Star Wars action figures. I had no, no idea who these characters were. Uh, but um, so it was only fitting that we take a big joint family gathering. We had about over 20 of us go out and see it. Um, but Mrs. Swank, she stayed home to stay with the youngest uh, Swankling, uh, Parker. And um, but my brother saw it. and He comes over a couple of nights ago, right before Christmas to uh, deliver some cookies that he had baked. That's a nice thing for a brother to do. So he comes over and he goes, hey, Deb's sitting there at the kitchen table. We haven't had a chance to talk since we saw the movie because he had to bolt right after and get to work. He goes, I, I, I can't believe they killed Han Solo. Oh, no. He hey. did not. Right in front of her. Spoiler alert. And I had this dish towel in my hand. And I start whipping it back and you how could you do this? She hasn't seen the movie yet. Oh, my God. I didn't know. I, th- I thought he was going to cry. He had no idea. <sighs> I had no idea. Oh, my God. And Deb says, I swear it won't, it won't ruin it for me. I, you know, it's, it's no big deal. It's, it's okay. It's okay. And I kept telling her. I kept saying, you know, or asking her, is this going to bother you or whatever? No, no. You know, they, I love, you know, movies. I, it's not going to bother me. And uh, so... <laughs> That moment is uh, approaching in the movie, and it's you know very obvious that this is the time when, if there's going to be a time when Han Solo uh, gets it, it's going to be at this moment. She leans over. She's like, "Okay, I'll admit it. I, I kind of wish I didn't know." So, but uh, it, it, she still had a very emotional reaction. And Jim, as you and I observed, seeing it two times together. It's actually more emotional, we found, the second time around, because you get over sort of the shock. So I yeah. feel like Deb knowing that that was going to happen gave her the relief of the shock, but she soaked in the emotion of the moment. So true. I, You know, we talk about those moments that take you out of the film. I, I guess I got taken out of it when Han died the first time I saw it, because it shocked me and I actually physically jumped in my chair, but the first thought wasn't, Oh, this is so awful. Han died. His own son killed him. And you know, my first thought was they did it. They, they really did it. They, (laughs) they did it. And I wasn't thinking about Kylo. I wasn't thinking about the first order. I was thinking about Lucasfilm. <laughs> I was thinking about <laughs> Disney. I was thinking about JJ and Lawrence Kasdan and Michael Arndt and even George Lucas. I was thinking about everyone. Yeah. They did it. Right. But right. then the second time, the second time I had completely surrendered myself to the film and the story as it was unfolding. And I felt the emotional moment of the, the second screening. And then sure enough, on the third screening, I took Dylan and uh, the guy next to me just, you know, we heard him. <laughs> <laughs> and Dylan says, Dad, is he crying? 
And I said, yes, son. And, and then Dylan just sort of nodded like, I understand. And so the guy was, uh, you know, we, he, he was having a moment. Yeah. And, and that's fine. I mean, that's what great storytelling does. It, it hits you on that emotional level. Yeah. And, and losing a, a character that we grew up with and loved, like Han Solo, it, it still is taking time, I think, for the, the fan community on a whole, the, 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 the film-going community on a whole, to, to let it soak in. And, uh, and thankfully, I noticed that you know, people in the movie theater, they are behaving themselves. I'm not hearing too many loose lips out in the lobby following screenings. Uh, I, I hear some things in the parking lot, though. So. You know, the moment yeah. where I think it, 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 hit, it hit Deb and where I think the moment where I feel it uh, the most, even after now four times seeing it, is, and I know it's controversial. It's controversial because there isn't that moment of grief, shared grief between Leia and Chewie. He walks right by her. He walks right by her. And I do have a theory. So I have, after four viewings now, I, I have a theory. And I'm not saying it's a good one. I'm just saying yeah. it is a theory. All right, lay it on me. Could it be yeah. that in some way Chewie has somehow transferred a degree of his life debt mm-hmm. to Finn? Because what he does is he puts Finn on the gurney and then follows the gurney, obviously, into medical how does that work? How do you transfer a life debt to – I don't understand that. I, my, my, my philosophy is this. Yeah, he was concerned for Finn and everything. But, I mean, I think Chewie may be like going through this moment of um, – where he's, he's beating himself up for letting it happen. If he truly does have a life debt to Han Solo – the life debt means he is Han's loyal bodyguard and protects him. And, and so Han was killed on Chewie's watch. So maybe, maybe the, the Wookiee culture demands they go through a, a period of shame and remorse. And for him to hug Leia would be some sort of, you know, he would be overstepping his boundaries by doing something like that. Who is he to offer her comfort when he needs to be feeling the remorse and, and I mean, really just like basking in bathing in the remorse. I shouldn't say basking. Yeah. That's the wrong term to use. But just letting it, letting the emotion and, and remorse and, 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 and mourn the loss, you know, in, in the Wookiee way. So for him to go and try to comfort Leia either would be selfish or overstepping his bounds. Yeah. I don't know. Or, don't it's, know. A, or it's a massive oversight. I'm sure. Really- <laughs> or if it's a massive oversight. I'm sure, Jason, I that just- there's a book out there that will, you know, explain exactly why Chewbacca didn't hug her and it'll prove me wrong. Just like everyone wants us to know that Ray is not wearing Luke Skywalker's X-Wing helmet when she is uh, eating lunch outside her ad-ad dwelling. Nope. And there are two books out there that, that say who the owner of that X-Wing helmet is. I'm looking in the visual guide, and it says, X-Wing pilot helmet once belonged to Captain Dosmit Ray yep. mm-hmm. of the Tierfon Yellow Aces. 
So, okay, you know, everyone knows that now because of the book. But when we were speculating, we had come right out of the theater. No time to read a book. So um, I just hate to see that kind of fun speculation get shut down instantly. I mean, we don't even have time to guess because so much minutia is being explained to us. Um, but, I mean, that's the way it is. I love reading these books. Don't get me wrong. But that was a fun little piece of speculation I, I think we had. And, and just to get it shot down like that, that really blows. And uh, <laughs> the other thing is <laughs> there's something else people were talking a lot about. Uh, here's, here's, my, here's my philosophy. <laughs> Either make it Luke Skywalker's helmet. Or don't give her a helmet. Don't give her give a her, helmet. Give her, give her an imperial helmet of some sort because she's inside the damn ADAT. So why couldn't she have an ADAT driver helmet? Oh, I was so annoyed that Rebel Force Radio was saying that. And it's like, well, you know, I mean, use your imagination sometimes. You always have to have it all spelled out for you. <laughs> all um, right, but I, I, what I was saying is, so that's the, mo- the moment when, when Deb really got emotional and the moment that it hits me is uh, that embrace between Leia and Ray, And it's not so much Ray because it's like, well, you just met him. You know, how upset can you be? But it's Leia, and it's that, that beautifully used Han and Leia love theme that quietly plays. It just, it just uh, my heart aches every time I see it in that moment. Hey, it's Mark Hamill, that Skywalker guy from those space movies. This is Carrie Fisher. Hey, Jake Lloyd here. Hey, it's James Arnold Taylor, the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I must tell you, the source for the Force is Rebel Force Radio, your source for the Force. Force yourself to listen. Now this is podcasting. Hello, this is Warwick Davis, and you're listening to Rebel Force Radio. This is Anthony Daniels, and they asked me to throw in an ad lib, but they didn't throw in any money, so I'm not going to throw in anything else. Goodbye. (laughs) Your source for the Force. All right, let's give away a little Debbie Galactic snack pack. What do you say? Each and every week here on Rebel Force Radio, we're giving away awesome snacks from Little Debbie. You could find a Galactic snack pack on your porch step, and it could have cosmic cupcakes, cloud cakes, and so much more. Great Little Debbie. Little Debbie loves Star Wars, and they love Star Wars fans. So they use us here at Rebel Force Radio to give back to the fan community. So we're always looking at the social media to see what you have to say about Little Debbie. And today on Twitter, a tweet from Michael Turner caught my attention. He tweets at Turner Mick. Turning 25 and marathoning repeat viewings of The Force Awakens. Better sneak in Little Debbie Swiss cake rolls. Mmm, good. Yes, Michael, well, you're going to have more than just Swiss cake rolls to sneak in to your next screening of The Force Awakens because we're sending a galactic snack pack in your direction to say happy birthday and long live Star Wars from your friends here at Rebel Force Radio and Little Debbie. Of course, we do it each and every week here because Little Debbie is the official snack of RFR. So, Jason, I got an email from someone who saw Star Wars The Force Awakens, and it really surprised me that I heard from them. Here, I'm going to read it to you. It says, good morning. I went to see Star Wars yesterday with Dina and Kate, and we all loved it. We went to the Glen, then to Potbelly for dinner. 
I wish I had heard you and Wendy yesterday. We'll try to cut blah, blah, blah. That it's from my mom. My mom saw Star Wars The Force Awakens. Well, wait a minute, wait, wait. I don't know what surprises me more, the fact that your mom saw the movie or that she's emailing. Or that she went to Potbelly's for dinner because that's usually... <laughs> I mean, I could have written this email. So I, I'm just blown away. My mom, unprovoked... I didn't tell her to go see Star Wars. You'd oh. think me and my brother might have dragged her out of the house, but she went with some friends of hers, and uh, I- I'm, just, I'm blown away by this. She hasn't seen a Star Wars movie since 1977. Well, this is huge. I mean, and is this... I don't think you can get better proof than this about how this movie has found itself at the center of American pop culture right now. I mean, the fact that people from... Seven years old to 70 years old are going to see this movie. It's more than just hype. The word of mouth is so great that it even got to my mom. I mean, so well, I think it's that fear of missing out, right? Don't they call that FOMO? Like even your mom is seeing this on the on the news, seeing it everywhere. And she's like, well, I don't want to miss this. This seems like a big deal. And now, you know, obviously she knows the connection with her oldest son and her, you know, her youngest son, too. Me and, and Bill, we. We had Star Wars in the house our whole lives. I always say my mom really had a grasp on how much I loved the saga because she got rid of all my toys when I was a kid. She got rid of the $6 million man. She got rid of the Mego superheroes and the G.I. Joes. But the thing that she held on to, it never went up in any garage sale, were my Star Wars action figures. So uh, I'm, I'm blown away by this. I can't wait to hear what she has to say about it. So I thought... As an experiment, <laughs> this might be a social experiment, Jason. We're uh-huh. going to call my mom live on the show and <laughs> yes, and, and get her review. Now, here's the thing. She doesn't, uh-huh. she doesn't know I'm going to call her, Okay, and I'm not going to tell her she's on the air. So I need you to, to be quiet. I need yeah, you to, I'll just mute. mute I'll go on mic. mute here. Okay. I'll start right now. No, no. You don't but, um, and, and I also have to say my mom is from northern Mississippi. So she has a very thick southern accent. Thick as molasses, as they say. So you might need, So do you need a translator? You might need subtitles. <laughs> but she's uh, she's really great and uh and I, I can't wait to hear what she has to say about uh seeing Star Wars. I'm still just blown away. So I hope she's home. Yes, I'm gonna punch her up. She's maybe she's seeing it again right now. <laughs> <laughs> she's in like an IMAX three D. Okay, hold on. I'm, and I'm muting myself here. Yes, do that, do that. All I'm right, going to get her up go. on the phone. She's always home. So. She's always home, so, okay. Hello? Bill? No, it's me. It's Jimmy. Bill? No, it's... Jim. Yes. Hi. <laughs> Hi. So, uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And And you saw the new Star Wars, huh? What do you think of your mom? I couldn't believe you it. Should, you should have seen it. Kate and I took Dina. Well, Dina, she's like 85 and on a walker, sometimes with her oxygen. Oh, my. Um, like Darth Vader. And, of course, Kate is younger than I am, like 10 years. But, I mean, she's not young. Right. And so here we were, the three little old ladies. We loved it. We had such wow. good time. Now, listen, I the only time I ever recall you going to a Star Wars film in the theaters is 1977. Me and Bill, we had to beg you to take us to see it. It was playing nowhere close to us. So you drove us all we the way to Mount Prospect. No, no, something. no, no. You drove us all the way to Oak Brook to see it. 
It was a half-hour yeah, car ride. Remember. Mom, I swear to God, it was a half-hour car ride. I saw it originally. The- I wanted, no, you're wrong. I, want, had, I wanted to see it. I was planning to take you. Well, that here's what happened. Got a little. Here's what happened. Dad had, Dad had already taken us to see it at the Eden's movie theater, but we missed the first 15 minutes. So well, we, now, see, Bill remembers that. Yes. I don't remember. Yes, yes. I remember it like it was yesterday. And then we, we were dying to see it again because we were getting the trading cards and the comic books and we were seeing. And I took you, drove you out to Oakbrook You drove to us all the way out to Oakbrook. I remember it because at eight years old, I remember thinking to myself, okay, this is half an hour away. And, and uh, you know, the concept of time to a kid is is something that, you know, it's it's a process that you go through, you, you learn. Um, and, and that half hour drive. To me, it felt yeah. like it felt like it was days as we were Just driving like out there to see. Them. But the ride totally home, going out of town. But the ride home, it, it was like five minutes long. It felt like because we yeah. were so excited after seeing the entire movie. And I remember saying to you, we sat toward the back of the theater, and I remember saying to you when it was over, I said, <laughs> I said, I think George Lucas is now my best friend. Because his name oh. was the first name you see at the end. And I just remember standing up and saying that to you, not even really knowing who George Lucas was or what a director yeah, actually so. does. It, yeah. Exactly. So I, that's the okay. one and only time I ever remember you going to see a Star Wars movie. And here it is that's all this the, time later. So what, that's how did, the only time I ever went was to see that. I never saw any of the others. Well, what's so great about this movie, Mom, is you don't really have to see any of them. Just all you really need is sort of a working knowledge of who the characters are. Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Chewbacca, and, and sort of just, you know, there, there's war going on in the galaxy. I mean, that's really all you need to know. There's not really much of a price of admission going into this thing as far as, like, your knowledge of Star Wars. So were you, did you find the story was easy to follow and stuff? Yeah. I Bill cleared me up on a couple of things that oh, I got it. a little confused. Well, see, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. It's, and, and, and so he swoops in and, and spoils all my fun, huh? So what, what were your questions? What were your questions? <laughs> and, and I'll correct any information, misinformation he may have fed you. Well, all I was asking about was, I I don't know why that I had it all confused that... Um, the bad character in the Darth Vader outfit Kylo Ren. was the son yes. of Han Solo and Princess Leia. I understood that, but for some reason, I also got confused about Luke Skywalker, and I wasn't sure when she said to him, if you see our son, bring him home, if she was talking about Luke or if she was <laughs> no, talking no, no. about... No, 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 because so, Luke and Leia are, they're, they're twins. They're brother and sister. That, see, I couldn't remember. Ah, I was confused about that. Okay, and okay. I didn't quite understand. So anyway, I was a little confused about that lineage. And so he explained to me who um, Luke's <laughs> father was. <laughs> And blah, 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 blah. So he cleared that up for me. And then I didn't understand how she got the 
thing she took to Luke, the lightsaber, whatever it was, wasn't 100% sure. It was a little confused. Yeah. Well, that's part of the mystery. That's part of the mystery, Mom. Nobody really... yeah, so... Now, anyway, you have to understand, so, Luke, that was Luke's lightsaber. And that was given exactly. to him. Obi-Wan Kenobi, in the original Star Wars, gave that to him. It was originally Luke's father's. And see, I didn't remember that. Yeah. That he had given it to him and that it was his father. Didn't remember that. And he lost it in quite, a battle. He lost it in a battle. get her connection to Luke Skywalker, the young girl. That is yet to and be so determined. That, that has not been revealed yet, but who do you think right. she? Who do you think she is in relation to Luke Skywalker? Well, maybe his daughter. Right, right. Most of us are are leaning in that direction now. This because it's too big of an age gap to mm. be romantic. Oh, of course, of course. So, yeah, maybe his daughter. I don't know. We'll have to see. So, so you're in. You're you're going to go see the next one, then, huh? <laughs> Well, of course. Oh, that's this is amazing. Well, we have to sit you down and show you the ones you've missed. Bill has brought them to me. I've got the whole set now. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's right. Okay. I've got them here. Good, good, good. Well, we might have to, to talk to you after you've seen them all and um, get to the bottom of this, uh, exactly. this this new fandom that has arisen in you. So, So are you starting to get it? Part of the thing that attracts me to this? The story and everything? Do you get well, it a little I've bit? always gotten that. I mean, that's always been fine with me. I mean, it's always been like that, really. So I never, you know, questioned it. I, I just thought that was the way it was, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, that is, that is the way it was. But of course, my big attraction to it and what drew me to go to see it was I wanted to see those actors. Yes. That's, I mean, that's the big thrill of it. I mean, seeing Harrison Ford as Han Solo again after all this time. Um, Carrie Fisher, what did you think? I thought they were wonderful. I thought they all looked wonderful. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was so happy to see them. Yes. I mean, you know, I, I mean, for me, I just thought it was great. Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, it's well, it's it's impressive because you know, you're around the same age as those actors, and uh, exactly, you know, you guys have all turned out and pretty good, I think. Well, Harrison Ford is my age. Yeah. He he's the older. I mean, you know, so he's my age. Carrie is younger. Um, Mark Hamill is younger, but I mean, still, they're more of my generation. You know. Oh yeah. For sure. And um, I thought it was just great to see them. I think Carrie Fisher, I just, I thought she was great. I really did. Yeah. I thought she was just great, tied it all together with her. That's awesome. And and what about, yeah. um, were there any, like, moments in the film that really stood out to you? Any Any certain sequences that might have just resonated with you beyond the film itself? Well, of course, Hans going floating off into the atmosphere. Yeah. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> there was a collective, oh, no, I think, that but, uh, shook the world but, when it happened. But it left the door open. I mean, we're not 100% sure, but I think he's gone. Yeah, well, I mean, they blew up the planet. 
<laughs> so, maybe he'll come back as a ghost, or maybe he's living in another galaxy. Well, there you go. We you're starting to you're starting to uh, piece together some interesting speculation there. So, so somehow by falling into that abyss, he may have been transported to another galaxy. Well. Why not? Is the door open for that? Well, we d- we never saw the body. Well, we did see the body. We saw the body as it tumbled into a a, um, a, a never ending uh, chasm. But uh, well, I, I think we thought a never ending chasm. But you we know, don't know, Mom. There is a, there is a rumor going out there that all the actors are going to return for the next one, including Harrison Ford. So. Uh, See. That's the That's word. Bad. It might be a flashback sequence or something because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of empty space to fill in, you know. So maybe a flashback sequence or something along those lines that could happen. Um, right. So, um, but that was pretty sad though that his own son turned on him like that, and you know, well, yeah, but power. there are there's some very poignant, true to life situations that people identify with, that being one of them, um, because it that does happen to some people. It's very, I mean, extraordinarily sad. I thought the relationship between Han Solo and Leo was very touching. It was, very wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was. And very true to life. You the changed your really? hair. Remember that? He says, you changed your hair. Oh, yeah. I thought that was a great line. (laughs) I mean, it was And that's so typical of a male-female exchange after a long period of time. I thought so, too. I thought so, too. You changed your hair. Uh I mean, I did think that was incredibly good. And I loved what they did with her hair and makeup to make it... Teach with it that she's sick and tired of people putting on Twitter how, how she's aged. Oh, Dad's... He, yeah, he's, but she's aged beautifully. Oh, Dad's talking about the tweet she put out there where she, yeah, she put down the people who are, you know, commenting on how she's and aged and everything. Where is that tweet, by the way? I, I love that. Both you and Dad are staying on top of Star Wars news. This is a real trip for me. Well, that's the force of evil. <laughs> Their son, yeah. Tell Dad I'm going to take him to see it. I don't know if you'll succeed in that. No, he's going. He's going. He took me to the first one. I'm taking him to see this one. Jimmy says you took him to the first one. He's taking you to this one. No, no, no. Whether he likes it or not, I'm coming out he there. He said thank him for it. No, no, no. He says he's not. I'm, I, you know what? I'll club him over the head and put him in a bag and drag him there. He's going. He's going. There's no way he's getting out of this. Okay. There's no way. There's no way. I'll, I'll come with the boys, and we'll, we'll overpower him, and we'll take him to the theater. It'll, it'll be a very Kylo Ren moment. Tell, tell that to Dad. Does he know that Han Solo died? Does he know this? No. Don't tell him. No. Don't tell no. him. Not going. To. Because, because if, if he doesn't go with me to the theater, I'm going to go all Kylo Ren on his butt. I'll show him. I'll show him. <laughs> Well, you said it was a very realistic, real-world sort of uh, thing. So, But, no, he's going. No, so. not all across the board, but certainly some elements. Well, you know, some, you always... And I think it's interesting, the, the uh, press on 
Lucas's take on it. Well, you know, George, he's very outspoken. He He's going through a bit of remorse, I think, because he's seeing other kids playing with his toys, and he's not allowed to play with them anymore. And it's, right. it's, it's kind of a natural thing. George always very independently ran Star Wars. He made all the decisions regarding the, the way the franchise was run, the way the films were created, and the way the company was run and he gave all that up and he's feeling a little bit of remorse he's feeling a little emptiness i think and i think he's also feeling a little bit of creative ownership in the fact that he believes that the film didn't take enough risks it didn't strive for i mean this is george's opinion not mine well, he okay, but that's just what how he, he would have done differently. Yes, absolutely. And he and, didn't. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't his to do. It wasn't so. his. And he's he's having difficulty with that right now. And I would have predicted this three years ago when he sold the company. Yeah, there's there's right. pictures of, of George online as he is signing the papers that will award him $4.5 billion for the Star Wars franchise when he sold it to Disney. There's pictures of him online where he looks absolutely miserable signing those Fresh papers. Ball. And you know what? It's, it, he's, he, he built Star Wars himself. He created all those worlds. He created all those characters. And it was very personal to him. It was so personal to George Lucas that he refused to make the types of films that fans expected or demanded of him. He was always working outside the box and he was always trying to break new boundaries. And some fans resisted against that. And so isn't it ironic now that George is out of it, that people are yelling and screaming that JJ Abrams and the guys who made the new star Wars films, they might be too derivative of the original, but I think that's fine. I think if you're going to launch Star Wars to a new generation, begin a new era of films, do it when you launch it, create the foundation that firmly places it within the Star Wars that's already been established. And that's what they did with this film. I think in the next movie, you're going to start seeing a lot more risks being taken. But again, I think they did a real good job in that this one pulls everybody back and it's uh, an old revisiting an old friend to people. Well, that's just it. And it's more than just getting the actors in there. And it's more than just bringing back TIE fighters and X-Wings. There's the overall story arc, the, the, the way that it all unfolds and gets executed. That is as important to Star Wars as anything else. So, well, and also it, um, you know, I mean, it's something for a new generation. So exactly, and 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 if you're going to present a new generation with a new era of Star Wars, I say firmly lay down that foundation that we know and love so much, and build off of that. Well, and that's exactly and to what they're doing. To a certain extent, a lot of that premise or just that idea is what Disney has built up. I mean, that's what they always done. So would you see it again, Mom? A lot of people are going back to see it three, four, five times. I would times. see it again. I love the visuals. I love the music. I was going to ask you about the music. Um, if that... And I feel like I probably miss things. You know what I mean? Oh, so yeah, I would. I'd see it again. Every time I, I see a Star Wars film, even 1977s, I, I still see things in it that I've never seen before, or I get a different message out of it, or Right. You know, different right. revelations about the characters and their motivations and stuff. And that's what right. makes 
that's that's what makes analyzing and dissecting these films so much fun. So, well, my God, you know, we might have to make you a regular guest on Rebel Force Radio with this kind of analysis. This is really good stuff. Well, you could. I would be <laughs> glad to do it. It's amazing. We're going into uncharted territory here. But uh, I, I'm really impressed that you went to go see it on your own without me or Bill pushing you. Right. And uh, I'm really disappointed that Dad seems resistant to going. You know, he was this way. The last movie I took him to see was the remake of True Grit. And right. he, he did not want to go see that either. And never. because he felt like it was, never. You know, oh, it'll never be as good as the original with the Duke and everything. And he ended I up. Can ne- he loved it. I can never. I can never get him to a movie. You can never get never. him to a movie? Well, I'm going to come out there and I'm, we're going to kidnap him. Me and the boys, and we're going to take him over there to the theater, and he's going to sit there and watch it, and he's going to like it. Our friend Art Smith is giving it all thumbs up. Oh, my God. See, so uh, all of Dad's buddies are going to see it, and he needs to go see it. Well, he did, I, now, but, he, and he, but he's a movie person. I mean, he, they see a lot of movies, uh-huh. Art and uh-huh. Judy. And then he is a self-appointed movie critic. Oh, well, aren't we all? He critiques books and movies. <laughs> Art does. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, you know, it's a joke. I mean, he says he's self-appointed. Sure, sure. Movie critic. Well, his, his but name... he gave it all thumbs up. He yes. just thought it was great. And um, that's about it. But just give everybody our love. Dad says Happy New Year. And um, that's it. <laughs> so remember, it's your brother's birthday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. I'll give him a call. And, uh, yeah. well, thanks so much for talking Star Wars with me, Mom. Oh, it was fun. Because that's what I do. <laughs> that's what I, know. I do. So, anyway. I know. Oh, and by so. the way, by the way, I hope you don't mind, but I did record this conversation, and I'd like to play back some highlights on our show if I could. Well, you have permission. Yes. Awesome. Well, that's great, because, you know. Um, Let me know. Uh, Maybe you know, I'll listen. There aren't too I'm many. I'm going to listen to you and Wendy. Oh, good. Your yes. show yeah, now that, that I've seen the movie. Yeah, huh? yeah. That that was a lot of fun uh, hosting WGN middays uh, the other day with Wendy. That was a lot of fun. We talked a lot about Star Wars during that, of course. Yeah. Well, that's I want to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. So you can get that I'm at the uh, WGNRadio.com. Yeah, I'm gonna be doing stuff this afternoon. I'm gonna listen to that and then. Ole Miss is playing in the Sugar Bowl tonight, so I'm going to be watching that. So. Awesome, awesome. We'll, uh, we'll go uh, Rebs, right? Yeah, of course. And, uh, and uh, again, it was so good talking to you. And, and, and I cannot stress this enough uh, to, that you have to tell Dad that he's going to this movie, whether he likes it or not. I don't care how okay. bullheaded or stubborn he's going to be. Um, I mean, if he wants to make this, if he <laughs> wants to make this, pretty much. <laughs> well, if he wants to make this difficult, uh, I can I, I can make it very difficult for him. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm gonna make all it all right. All right, Mom. Well, I love you so much. We'll and give everybody our love. We'll do. I'm going to check back on the dates on Michael. Okay, so right. try to think about that, and um, I'll talk to you soon, Mom. Yeah. May the force be with you. Oh, same to you, dear. I got to tell you, my, my favorite part of the whole interview yeah. is the very beginning. When she Bill? <laughs> no, Ma. Ma, it's Jim. Bill? <laughs> well, we, I, you know, and, and I want to, I, I got to say, though, I mean, her ability to recall 
Um, and it, it, I, it's called into question. I think that we need – I think we need your dad or somebody to come in and, and make the final decision as to the circumstances of seeing that first film because she's saying that it was at a different theater and that she was there. No, I mean, really, the only one to confirm it would be my brother because they don't remember. I mean, they just don't, you know. They, I don't know. It sounds pretty significant to her. Listen, when I showed my dad the Star Wars Insider magazine that announced we were hosting the stage at Celebration, my dad read it. It was on Father's Day, and he read it, and it said there was a blurb in there about, you know, Jimmy Mack has been in love with the galaxy far, far away ever since his dad took him to see the film in a dark movie theater back in 1977, something like that. And my dad, he goes, I remember that day like it was yesterday. And so, I mean, to me, I mean, that was like, all right, all right. But it sounds like he's going to put up a fight. It sounds like he doesn't want to go. Yeah, what is with that? Why does he not want to see this? Is he just that, that guy? Like if everybody is loving something, he's not. Oh no, it's not for me. Not for me. (laughs) But dad, everyone loves it. No, no, not going to do it. You know, yeah, I mean, it, right. it, if 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 just the simple act of breathing was something that that had a hype to it, my dad would probably not breathe. Yeah, no, no. that oxygen is it's uh, it's not for me. Overrated. <laughs> so, but he is the type of guy who watches the same movies over and over and over again. And uh, I know he's seen Star Wars a few times now. He did take us in '77, but he didn't take us to Empire or Jedi, and he certainly didn't go see any of the prequels. Um, my brother did sit him down and show him the rest of the original trilogy. He said, well, "Gosh, maybe ten years ago." So um, he has seen the original trilogy. Well, well, speaking of your brother, Bill, I mean, how do you feel about him sort of being the Star Wars answer man for mom? Well, he lives over by them, so that's to be expected. Bill's the he's the brother that like, you know, if there's something wrong in the house and my dad needs it to be fixed, he calls Bill and Bill comes rushing over there and stuff. So he's only about five. He's hooking him up with the DVDs. He's he's answering all our questions about The Force Awakens. Yeah, I, I don't care much for that. But uh, <laughs> I do love I also love, you know, I think you get this from your mom, uh, your ability to uh, audibly paint a picture, because I love the the image that she paints of her and her two friends going in and, you know, one of them on the oxygen. tank. <laughs> these these three old ladies going in to check out the Force Awakens. I love it. I just love it. And, and it really is. I mean, talk about spanning the generations, because it really was the hype. I, I think if I had to point to one thing. It was the excitement that was brewing in the house. But there's always excitement in my house about Star Wars. But it was the excitement about this new movie. It was the excitement of watching these trailers, these previews. It was the excitement of hearing some of her other little friends talking about it that got my daughter finally, my daughter Bailey, who's seven, excited about seeing Star Wars. It's that that level of intensity that's going on right now where I don't, people don't need it to be spoon fed to them. I, they're, they're, digging, no. they're digging in from and, seven to 70. Yeah. Really, you know, and, that's and what we've got here. That's exactly what we got here. And we're going to be hearing from the other end of the spectrum real soon. But uh, I just want to point out what one of my favorite moments in that interview, and it should be pointed out. My dad's name is Jim also. And at one point my mom pulls away from the phone. You hear my dad in the background. And she goes, no Jim, that's the force of evil. <laughs> That's right. about, about Kylo Ren. Yeah. <laughs> and I like that you're saying, hey, if he doesn't come quietly, I'm going to have to Kylo Ren his butt. <laughs> and I'll throw him in the, in the trunk. There is a lesson to be learned 
between fathers and sons. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> From The Force Awakens. There's a Be message. Nice to your son. <laughs> there is a message there. But, you know, that is something that is a universal thing about this film and something that I think appeals to us Star Wars fans from the original generation who are now adults and who have our own kids and, in some cases, grandkids. or Even if you have nieces, nephews, what have you, little brother, little sister, there's always that fear that someone is going to leave the nest and go to, you know, the bad place, whatever that may be. You know, you you always want the best for your children. And I think your biggest fear as a parent is having them do something terrible that gets them into a lot of trouble. And it, it makes you feel like you're a loser as a parent when your son or daughter goes off into you know, a bad place if that does happen. It's it's the biggest fear of raising kids. Yeah. And and so playing off of that fear, that very real human fear, just makes a guy like Kylo that much more scary. To me yeah. as to me as a dad, you know, the whole the whole father son relationship being played out that way makes Kylo more evil and makes the story much more heavy. Right. And I mean, you know, it's it's the total flip, whereas in the original trilogy, you have the son, you know, yearning to be closer to the father, wanting his father back into his life. And in this, you have the father that wants the son. So, uh, you know, the, the son on the quest for the father and now the father on the quest for the son. And so, you're, you know, as a as a dad, you're like, well, I don't want to turn into Darth Vader. My biggest fear when you have this little baby, you're like, I don't want to be the Darth Vader dad. And now as your kids are getting older, you're like, well, I don't want my son to be Kylo Ren. Right. I don't want to see that happen. So, it, it, you know, you realize where the power starts to shift, where when they're young, really young, you have all the power. But as they get older and become their own person, now they have the power to hurt you. Yeah. I mean, that, it's heavy stuff. That's a big message. That's a big message. And then the other thing is um, it was really refreshing to hear my mom uh, portray some old school love for Carrie Fisher. Oh, yeah. You know, um, someone like Carrie had a big impact on women of the 70s because she was such a strong character and spoke her mind. And my mom was all about that in the 70s. And, you know, she was she was feeling uh, the call of sisterhood. And uh, she was saying it loud and saying it proud. And uh, the only thing is uh, she was uh, she was gushing over uh, how Carrie looked. And I, I couldn't. I did not have the heart to break it to my mom that even Carrie herself believes that her hairstyle in the film resembled a baboon ass. I think when I listen to the interview, I think your mom. Hold on, I'm doing a hot mix. Hey, I think your mom was referring to the dude that she has through most of the film. She doesn't have baboon ass until the end. But I did, I did lean over to you when we saw it for the first time. I think that was the only time we spoke at all. And I don't know if you heard me, but during that last scene where they show her as as Ray is taking off to go find Luke, I just leaned over to you and said, "Baboon ass." <laughs> yeah, I remember. Baboon ass. <laughs> All right, so uh, can we switch gears? Should we switch gears? Yeah, let's let's go to like I said, the other end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum. Uh, I was able to tie my seven year old down. And talk to her about Star Wars. She's seen now episodes four, five, and six, and seven. And we we watched four, five, and six over the span of uh, many nights. Uh, we sort of binged Return of the Jedi the morning 
finally the the uh, probably the last half of the film, the morning of uh, the day that she was going in to see The Force Awakens with uh, the whole family. I took uh, all my cousins and their kids, and there were about twenty some of us that went. And the uh, there's a photo on our Facebook page. It's been up for some time. Um, so it was it was really really great. She was. I was able to I kind of use a little bit of manipulation here because it was kind of like, well, all your cousins are doing it. Now, if you think you're too little to go see the, you know, the big grown up movie, that's OK. You can stay home with Parker. And she was not going to have that, of course. Nope. And then I said, the only way I'm going to take you is if you see four, five and six. And so we kind of had that false start. And we talk about it a little bit uh, here in the interview, but um it, 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 it speaks for itself. Here's my daughter, Bailey, on Star Wars. The seven-year-old perspective. All right. The moment I've been waiting for my whole parenting life has finally arrived, where I get to actually talk to one of my children about Star Wars. And Mommy wanted me to uh, start off this interview by asking you, what are you wearing right now? Star Wars JJ's. Star Wars JJ's. That's what we call pajamas in our house. Tell me who's on your JJ's. R2-D2, Leia, and C-3PO. You picked these out, didn't you? Yeah. But you actually have two pair of JJ's. Here, sit up. Sit up. Who's on the other pair? Ray. I've been wanting you to watch the Star Wars movies for a long time because you know Daddy does his podcast all about Star Wars. Why didn't you want to watch Star Wars with me? Why did it take so long for you to finally watch it with me? Because I, I thought it was boring. When we first started watching it together... It kind of scared you a little bit. Do you remember what scared you at first and why we stopped watching it for a few weeks? Remember Luke's aunt and uncle? Mm-hmm. So what was it that bothered you about that? That they were laying on the ground dead. What made you feel better? When I, what did I tell you that made you feel better about it? That was just a model. That it was fake. Up until then, you kind of felt like you were watching real people, didn't you? They can't. The people at home can't see you nod your head, so you have to say yes or no. Yes. Okay. All right, so you got over that, and I started showing you pictures in books of how they made Star Wars movies. And they used a lot of models, and they did a lot of fancy things on computers and with the cameras to make it look like all these amazing things were happening, but it was just make-believe, right? Yes. Okay. So we finally started watching it, and it took us many, many nights quiet time right so we'd watch like 20 minutes or a half hour Uh so tell me what are some of the moments in the star wars movies not force awakens but in the ones that we watched that really stand out to you when you think about those star wars movies what are some uh what are some scenes that you really really like when luke is getting trained who's training luke yoda there was one scene that really grossed you out in Empire Strikes Back. Do you remember? When Han um, cut open the tauntaun, it was gross. It was gross. What did it look like? White balls of styrofoam. <laughs> Maybe that's how they did it. Maybe it was just white balls of styrofoam. Who are some of your favorite characters? Leia. Why do you like Leia? Because she's a princess. Yeah. She tell the boys what to do. She always bossing the boys around. Yeah. Who does she love? Han. Yeah. Who else do you like? Mm, Luke. Luke? Why do you like Luke? That he's really good at fighting. And who's his father? Darth Vader. When Darth Vader first told Luke that he was his father, did you believe him? 
Why didn't you think he was lying? I mean, Darth Vader's a bad guy. Why would he be telling the truth? Because he's his son. And even though he's a bad guy, he wants to be with his son, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. And then when we see Darth Vader and Luke fight the very end of Return of the Jedi in front of the Emperor, and who do you think the Emperor looks kind of like? Granny. <laughs> Our 90-year-old <laughs> grandmother. Well, that was um, a long Your time ago when I was little. <laughs> and you had a you had a little figure of the emperor, and you were about three years old, and you said you called it Granny. <laughs> <laughs> so when Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker are fighting at the very end, and then do you remember what Darth Vader does at the very end when Luke's being shocked by all the uh, electricity? He picks the emperor up and throws him down. Yeah, why does he do that? Because he feels the good in him. And then what happens to Darth Vader? He dies. Yeah. Because all the evil lightning goes inside of him. And is that sad? Mm, kind of. We have a friend who uh, watched that, and he got really sad at that part, didn't he? He was crying. Yeah, but that happens, because it is a very emotional moment. So who are who's your favorite character in The Force Awakens? Rey and BB-8. What do you like about Rey and BB-8? I like that BB-8 makes little noises. Yeah. Uh-huh, and I like that Ray is... She's really tough. She knows how to fight? Yeah. And is she pretty? Yeah. Like her clothes that she wears? Yeah. They're just rags. Mm-hmm. She makes them look good, though, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah. There are some people that they can wear rags and still look pretty. Mm-hmm. You could wear rags and look pretty. Mm-hmm. What about... <gasps> The big moment in The Force Awakens. What happens to Han? He dies. Who kills Han? His son. Because his son is a bad guy, just like... Darth Vader. Yeah, Darth Vader is Kylo Ren's grandfather, because... Who is Kylo Ren's mommy? Leia. So Leia and Han had a boy named Ben. He turned into Kylo Ren, but Leia's father is who? Who's Luke's father? Darth Vader. So who's Leia's father? Darth Vader. So then that makes Darth Vader Kylo Ren's grandfather. So why do you like BB-8 so much? Because he goes around making little BB noises. Do you like him because he's like a little dog? Uh Uh-huh. Would you like to have your own BB-8 that just followed you around? Yeah. And could go to school with you? Mm -hmm. What would you have BB-8 do for you at school? Figure out math problems. He'd be good at that. He can also light fires with that little... That little Mm -hmm. lighter that comes out of him. Mm -hmm. What did you think of Kylo Ren? Did he make you mad? Yeah. And when he took off his mask, he wasn't very um, scary. He was just a person with curly black hair. Someone else you haven't mentioned that I know you like. Who's hanging around Han Solo all the time? Chewie. You call him the what? Doggy. Would you like to have a Chewie? Who would you rather have, a Chewie or a BB-8 to follow you around? How would Chewie sit in one of those little desks at school with you? Uh, sit like a little doggy. You would sit like a doggy? (laughs) So after seeing all of the Star Wars movies, well, the original, 4, 5, and 6, and now Episode 7, Force Awakens, can you see why Daddy likes it so much? Yeah. Why do you think Daddy likes it so much? I know why, but I don't know how it Just say it. Just say it. Say whatever comes to your mind. I don't know. Come closer to the microphone. How do you explain it? You don't know how to explain it? Well, I like it because it's a really good story. Yeah. And it's a great story about family. Yeah. And the mistakes that we can sometimes make 
with our family, right? Mm -hmm. We don't want to end up like Darth Vader or Kylo Ren, do we? Mm -mm. No. And we're going to go back, and you haven't watched any of the prequels, and those are... One, two, three. Right. And those tell the story of what? Do you remember me telling you? Anakin. Anakin and how he turns into who? Darth Vader. And then we're going to take a little break, and we're going to watch some key episodes of The Clone Wars, too. So we've got a lot more Star Wars to show you. What would you say to all the little kids out there whose mommies and daddies are trying to get them to watch Star Wars, but they won't do it? Should they do it? Yes. Why? Because it's what? Fun. Yeah, there you go. You know who else said that? Hmm. George Lucas. Who You know who he is, right? Mm-hmm. What? Who is he? The person who invented Star Wars. He invented Star Wars. And when he was asked one time, why do you keep coming back to Star Wars? You know what he said? Because it's fun! Same thing you just said. So thank you for sharing Star Wars with me. It means a lot. All right, we're back. Because we forgot to talk about a couple of really important things. The one part of Star Wars that seems to really, really excite you. What's that? What's that? The way the movies are made, right? Uh-huh. Why do you, why do you like watching the videos about how they made Star Wars? Because it's really cool how they did it. Yeah, what are some things that uh, you like watching them do? Making Jabba. Yeah, what do you what do you remember about the that? That there were three persons inside. Yeah, four actually, weren't four. there? Four. Uh-huh. Yeah. There was a guy on each arm and one guy did the mouth. Yeah, and another guy kind of did the 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 body like his breathing. And then the one guy did what? What was the guy at the bottom? The little small guy who did his tail. What are some other things that you like watching them do in those making of? Making models. What do they start making these things out of first? A picture. Right. And then after they have the picture, then what do they do? Do a model made out of clay. Right. That looks like it. And then after they do that, what do they make out of that usually? They make a mask for a person. And then they, they color it and all that stuff, yeah. Uh-huh, and they make sure it fits. Now you like to draw Star Wars characters a lot, don't you? Yes. Yeah, you draw, well, you draw everything. What are your favorite things to draw in general? What do you like drawing best? Dogs and cats. What are your favorite Star Wars things to draw? BB-8 and Ray. Yeah, you just learned how to draw BB-8, didn't you? Uh-huh. We put the picture on Facebook, the video of you drawing it, and then your final finished product was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then you also did a Ray. We haven't put your Ray up yet. Yeah, we, we, we have. You put the Ray up. Yes. Do you find Star Wars characters are hard to draw or easy to draw? The Ray was easy, but the BB-8 was kind of a little bit hard. Really? BB-8's just circles. I would think that he'd be really easy. What makes him hard? There's just a lot of little lines in BB-8. A lot of detail Uh in BB-8. So he's not just uh, a half circle and a full circle, is he? Uh So would you say that the, the thing that you like most about Star Wars is the story or the characters or the art in which they use to make the movie? The art. Uncle Paul has been sending you videos, hasn't he, from all the way in the... From England. Yes. On how to make these videos, or they, you know how they made Star Wars. Yeah. And what do you say to Uncle Paul? Thank you. Oh, very good. All right, sweetheart. Thank you. I love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. The biggest thing, the biggest takeaway from the interview, I think, is that, you know, she's loving drawing the characters. She talked about drawing BB-8. He's her favorite. And um, she loves watching the documentaries that Uncle Paul sends over to us <laughs> from... England. 
Oh, Uncle Paul. I love the documentaries Uncle Paul sends us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Too. Very nice. But hey, um, I had made a prediction about something that would scare Bailey mm-hmm. when she saw The Force Awakens. Yeah. And it was that it's, it's the moment when Ray has that vision, right. primarily because it features a little girl yelling and screaming and crying. And then they show the girl on camera and obviously in, you know, going through some great trauma. And uh, I, I felt like that one might resonate with Bailey a little bit and kind of freak her out a little bit. You know, it didn't. In fact, she's never even brought up the dream. I, Deb and I have brought up the dream in talking about the movie. Uh, and what some of those things might mean. But um, Bailey has never, she's never mentioned it. Um, I'm, I think Bailey was probably more bothered when BB-8 is in some sort of distress. Uh, no, truly, because she looks at BB-8 like like a pet, like a dog or a cat. And, you know, that probably freaks her out more when we're watching movies as if an, an animal is in danger than, than a person. I don't know what that says about her, but... Oh, well. <laughs> When was BB-8? I mean, there was obviously a couple times BB-8 was in... In the beginning, you know, they keep trying to steal him and stuff. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really it. Um, but, you know, and then there was a moment, you know, when we were watching the movie where she leaned over and she just needed to be sure that Finn nor Ray die in the movie. Because as, as, as she started bonding with those characters in the first third of the movie, I think she started to think, well, uh-oh. Are they going to end up like Uncle Owen and Aunt Peru or Darth Vader, you know, getting burned? And so she leaned over and she's like, do they die in the movie? And at that point, I knew I just needed to calm her down. And I said, no, honey, they don't die in the movie. It's okay." But she didn't ask about Han. (laughs) 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 Because I think my response would be uh, just watch the movie. Watch it. Just watch it. Just watch. Watch. Yeah, she didn't ask about Han. I, I don't know. Uh, what, what do you mean you don't know? You've seen it five times. <laughs> shh, shh, just watch. Um, yeah. Funny thing is, though, is, uh, you know, you talk about the heroes being in danger, you know, some featuring <laughs> traumatic death sequences. Mm-hmm. But um, let's talk about the guy who takes a beating in this film, unlike any other Star Wars character has ever taken a beating in a film before from from beginning to end let's talk about the day finn has <laughs> well <laughs> let's let's just check off the boxes here okay sure so he a day uh, in the life of finn <laughs> he, he he gets shot down in a tie fighter the tie fighter crash lands on a, the planet he has to emergency evacuate then he has to walk through an entire desert mm-hmm. And when he finally does find water, he gets knocked on his butt by Hog Squaddle. Then Ray runs at him and slaps him in the head with her her her, her stick. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he's already taking a pounding. Right after that, the Tie Fighter flies overhead, the Nema outpost, and shoots at them. An explosion throws him. He gets knocked out cold. Ray yeah. wakes him up, and then they run to the Falcon. They get on board the Falcon, and so he finally gets a breather until the Wrath Tar <laughs> pulls him down the hallway. So, I mean, we're about halfway through the film right now, guys, and this guy is 
taking a beating. Then they make it to Maz's castle, and he gets smacked around by the, the trooper with the riot baton. Yeah, let's, let's take a pause here, though, and say, you know, at this point, can you hardly blame the guy for just wanting to get the hell out of Dodge? Yeah, yeah. When, when he reached Maz's castle, that was it for him. And yeah. cannot blame him. He is taking a beating throughout this whole film. Then uh, when else does he, he take uh, some mighty... Well, obviously, at the hands of Kylo Ren at the end of the film, sure, sure. he suffers the worst injury next to Han, pretty much. Yeah, I would say. I mean, he definitely gets a little spinectomy there. Um, and, and obviously, you know, he never came to. By the end of the film. I mean, for all we no, know. No, that's right. That's he, right. He could still be in some sort of coma by the time episode nine or eight. Wait, where are we? Eight. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Hey, guys, get used to me doing a lot of that, too. <laughs> it's, it's so much Star Wars at once. It's, it's going to be hard to manage on the fly sometimes. But, but, I mean, Finn really earns his paycheck. At the end he, of the, he, he sure does. He sure does. I, I got to ask you, though. Um, before we uh, we get in, we got again more great interviews coming up here in just a few minutes. But uh, the time span between episode seven and episode eight, and I meant to bring this up on the roundtable. So if you haven't listened to the roundtable, um, by all means, go check it out. We we had a really fun couple of hours with uh, our friends Paul Bateman, uh, Kyle Newman, F.J. DeSanto, Sam Whitworth, David Collins, uh, and of course Jimmy Mack. Uh, you know, really doing our best to break it all down. There's just so much to break down. And uh, so it's not certainly the final word on the movie, but uh, it, it, it sort of helped us all. It was very cathartic. I think we all kind of got a lot off our chest. But the one thing I wanted to bring up is how much time do you think is going to elapse between episode seven and episode eight? Because up until now, we've never seen a Star Wars movie pick up immediately following the previous Star Wars movie. There's always at least a couple of months. Most of the time, there's several years in between. A little downtime. Um I would actually like to see episode eight pick up very closely to where uh, episode seven ends because primarily the fact is bringing Luke out of retirement. And you have to assume that happens. They get off of that island and he rejoins society. We have to assume that, but we can't confirm it right now. You know, I mean, obviously, everybody's thoughts are going in that one direction. But what if Luke is resistant? And he wants to stay there. Maybe he does. Maybe Ray stays and trains with him on that island. Um, well, I'm glad you brought that up. Because- and that island, that island, are we to assume that is really the first Jedi temple that Han said Luke went out looking for? But, but go on, Jason, what's your question? No, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people have been asking and speculating about what's going on through Luke's head at the end of the movie. And there is a copy of the screenplay that has, that surfaced and Disney has, you know, made a lot of efforts to, uh, to pull it, but they sent it out in a round for consideration for the Oscars. And you really had to be living under a rock to not see this, 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 this made it out uh, everywhere. But I think that it's a uh, kind of important to, um, to kind of look at, the way this scene is described at the uh, at the very end of the movie, okay? And here it is. The stone structures day, Ray arrives at a clearing. Small, modest, primitive stone structures, but no one around. Ray walks past them, sees, senses no one. And then she stops, 
feels something. She turns. Standing 40 feet away from her, his back to us, is a man in a cloak and robe. Ray stares, knowing exactly who it is, but she just stares for what seems like forever until he finally turns slowly to her, pulls back his hood. It is Luke Skywalker. Older now, white hair, bearded, he looks at Ray. A kindness in his eyes, but there's something tortured too. He doesn't need to ask her who she is or what she is doing here. His look says it all. In response, Ray pulls something from the pack, Luke's lightsaber, and she holds it out to him, an offer, a plea, the galaxy's only hope. Hold on Luke Skywalker's incredible face, amazed and conflicted at what he sees as our music builds the promise of an adventure just beginning. The end. A lot of folks are saying, okay, by reading that, Luke knows who she is, what she's doing there. But the script doesn't actually say that. It just says that he doesn't need to ask. Okay, all right. Okay, I think we can logically assume if he doesn't need to ask who she is or what she's doing here, then he knows. There's a look of recognition. Would you describe that look that he gives her, Jim, as a look of recognition? He seems remorseful at that moment. Sort of like if you can go inside Luke Skywalker's head, he'd probably be citing a line from... uh, from Al Pacino's past. Every time I try to get out, they pull me back in. Okay. Or is he blaming himself? Is he aware on some level as to what's been going on with the galaxy? Arguably, he, uh, he most certainly felt Han's death. Was he at that moment thinking, I thought I was doing what was best for my family, for the galaxy, by walking away? And I've just made matters worse. Is that going through his head? Or maybe he's just considering the nature of the force. Yeah, it could be. Well, I'll be damned. (laughs) I guess uh, my destiny is once again being presented in front of me. Thank you very much, force. Right, Uh, right. Will he grab the saber and claim his place as the galaxy's only hope? And what's funny there is there's a little bit of, uh, you know, um, hearkening back to Obi-Wan. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're... My only hope. So he's gone from a new hope to the only hope. Yes. And you have to think 100% that, yes, he he grabs the saber and, and heeds the call to adventure once again because the cost has been so great leading up to this point. And the fact of the matter is he is in danger staying there by himself because should the Empire find out he's there, it's over. So um, well, well, if eight opens up and the crawler says um, um, Ray has been uh, training with Jedi Master Luke Skywalker, uh, her her training is nearly complete or something like that. If that if that crawler advances time to the point where you don't get this payoff of picking up right where we left off with Luke making that critical decision. I mean, do we need to see him taking the saber and making that decision Or can we all assume that he's going to pick up the charge? Like I said, because the cost has been so high to this point that, I mean, just for storytelling alone, he has to take the saber. But I would be... Do we need to see it, though? I would be massively disappointed. No, we don't need to see that particular moment or hear their first conversation with each other. But I would be feeling massively cheated 
if we don't get to see Ray's training because we've never seen Luke train another Jedi. We certainly know he has, but we've never seen it happen. And mm-hmm. I think it's really important to raise character development. And it's also important to give us an update on what the force is and what it's all about. Obviously there's been some evolution there. So I would like to know more about what the force is calling to right now. What what's get, let's get deep into that again, much like with Yoda, some of the greatest, most spiritual moments in the star Wars saga happen on the planet Dagobah when Yoda is training Luke. I'd like to see that further evolve with the training of Ray. And I want to see it. I don't want to read it in a book or a comic book. I don't want to see it in a crawler. I want to see it. I want to see Mark Hamill and Daisy Ridley taking us through the story. So I, I think how, that's really important. How fun would it be to actually see that training juxtaposed to what's going on with Snoke and Kylo Ren? So you see dark user, you know, it's so hard. I want to say Sith. I want to say Sith, but I know it's not Sith. But a dark side user and a light side user, like seeing that training happening, you know, two different sides of it. That would be kind of interesting. Yeah, that's great speculation, and and it could end up being very accurate. We'll find out in a year. Speaking of which, real quick here, and I, I, boy, there's just so much to talk about. You can tell Jim and I, we haven't, it's been, what, a week since we've really spoken? So we've got a lot kind of just hitting me at once, but I did finally get my visual guide. And there's not a whole lot about Snoke in the visual guide. You notice his, he doesn't even have a character entry no. in the visual dictionary. Um, and I can see why. They, they, they want to keep a lot of that stuff uh, mysterious. But they do say what Snoke really values in Kylo Ren, according to the visual dictionary, is Kylo Ren's ability to use both the light and the dark sides of the Force. And that's very, very interesting to me. That is there power in being able to straddle? We talked about the, the whole notion of gray, the, the, that, that we're not dealing with just light and dark, that there's going to be some sort of um, gray area somewhere that falls in between. Um, so that's the most that I've seen actually in print anywhere being alluded to. Well, it's the mirror opposite of Luke, because I think Luke also has the ability to use the dark side. He certainly has tapped into it in the past, and we've seen that in the films. Yeah, I think Luke is tapping into the dark side in the tree cave on Dagobah. I think he's tapping into the dark side when he fights Vader on Cloud City. All right, here's one for you. Is Rey tapping into the dark side when she opens the can on Kylo Ren? And it's actually the, you know, the, the, the ground that separates them? Maybe because I see that I see them, the the two playing off of each other. Kylo Ren is going through the experience Luke Skywalker went through, but sort of in the bizarro world kind of way Yeah, where Luke went good. Kylo's going bad. Yeah, we are seeing in a way Luke's journey through, you know, kind of through mirrored, as you say, sort of a funhouse mirror um, through Kylo Ren. And but, you know, Kylo Ren he had the guts when it came to killing his father. Um, oh, and but I still think he's stopping short. I, I, I still think he's more or less playing with Ray in the beginning of that fight. And he doesn't. I think he, he had opportunity to get rid of Ray, but he's keeping her alive. He's keeping her alive. I don't think so. I, I think he was overpowered by her. I think that. No, I think so, too, at the end. But when he's when he's when he's pushing her 
And right before she taps into the force, he says, you need someone to train you. He's still at that point determined to keep her alive. There is a, a massive level of arrogance going on with the way he's approaching her. There's no question. Oh, about yeah. It. He's totally underestimating her. And then she says, oh, yeah, the force. And she closes her eyes and she taps into the force. But some would speculate that she's tapping into the dark side there because she really goes full bore on him and might have finished him off if they weren't physically separated. I'd like to think that, no, she wasn't tapping into the dark side of the force at that moment. I think she was just, you know, she she did what Qui-Gon Jinn did when he was trapped in the uh, laser doors on, on feed. He had time to meditate on the force. And the second that he was able to execute it, he came fast and furious. He jumped up and brought the, the, the battle to Darth Maul. So I see, I see similarities in the way that that Ray tapped into the force by getting into a meditative state at that moment. She just basically gave into the force and that's what gave her the ability to face Kylo toe to toe. Uh, here's, here's, here's something that's again, going back to the script. Um, check this out. Uh, Ray closes her eyes for a long beat. When Ray opens them, she is centered fortified and she pounds back single handed swipes hitting Ren's gnarly splitting saber with incredible force. It's so fast now, so furious that Kylo Ren falls back. She attacks harder. Ren gets up again, but hits his saber's hilt. His blade goes flying off. Oh, excuse me. Ren gets up again, but she hits his saber's hilt. His blade goes flying off, tumbling into the snow, and she slashes again and again and hits Kylo Ren square in the head and chest. He goes down, suddenly a fearful man, a large burn scar slashed across his face. He still reaches for her saber, for his saber, and she could kill him right now with one vicious strike, but she stops, realizing she stands on a greater edge than even the cliff, the edge of the dark side. The earth shakes, the earth splits, a gully forms. Well, she can't, you know, she doesn't know how to keep her anger in check. Right. And, and especially how that relates to the nature of the force itself. So it's only natural in the heat of battle for someone who is untrained yet powerful with the force to slide toward the dark side because of the aggression that builds up in you when you're trying to defend yourself. And is there some symbolism there with that gully forming between them that, that there was maybe a chance that she would cross that he might cross. But when you see that gully forming between them, that's the last time they'll meet as anything but sworn enemies and this, maybe as equals as that is just great. I mean, this is, this is some of the old school sort of star Wars conversation. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is really getting where we're looking at, you know, cracks in the, the planet. <laughs> we're looking at those and going, Oh, that's significant. <laughs> Let's uh, take a break and say thank you to our good friends at Harry's Razors at harrys.com. Guys, you know what? 2016, it's here. It's a brand new year. It's a fresh start. Have you been thinking about your New Year's resolution? Well, I've got one here that's a no-brainer. How about stop overpaying for a great shave? You know what? I get the best shave I've had in a very long time from Harry's Blades. They're super sharp. They provide a close, comfortable shave. We're talking German-engineered, five-blade cartridges, close, comfortable, no more cuts, no more burn, no more razor bumps, guaranteed. Get a full refund if you're not happy. These are factory-direct prices where you cut out the middleman. 
the blades ship right to your door, and they sell at half the price of the leading brand that you're going to find at the drugstore or the department store. They have over a million customers already have made the switch and thousands more switching every day. So why pay $32 for an eight-pack of blades when you can get them for half the price at harrys.com? The Harry Starter Set, that's a great place to begin. Just $15 will get you a razor, the moisturizing shave cream, and three blades. Now, Harry's doesn't like to do discounts because the prices are already so low. But we here at Rebel Force Radio, we've got a special offer just for you. Harry's is going to give you $5 off that first order with the promo code RFR, Rebel Force Radio, RFR. So stop overpaying for a great shave. Start the new year right. Go to harrys.com right now. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com. Enter the code RFR at checkout. And uh, we thank them so much for their support of us here at Rebel Force Radio. All right, Jason, before we get into highlights of my day hosting middays at WGN Radio with my lovely wife, Wendy Snyder, we talked a lot about Star Wars. Uh, we have some highlights from that day to play for you guys, but I, I just wanted to take care of some just general housekeeping in relation to some feedback we've been getting about uh, some comments made on other shows. Uh, when we were talking to Artie Shaw, let's start with this one. When we were talking to Artie Shaw about the character she plays in the force awakens. She mentioned, of course, power droid. She mentioned Maz Kanata body double. And she mentioned a fueler. Okay. But the way that already said it, <laughs> and God bless her. She's, she's cute as a button and I love her accent, but this Midwestern boy sometimes had, I need the subtitles. So she said <laughs> she played a character known as a fueler. And that's what it sounded like to me, a fula. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I must have made a name out of. I mean, I might have named a Star Wars character. Uh, so she played a character. She was saying a fueler. That's what they referred to her character on set. A guy, a character who apparently was putting fuel into an X-wing fighter. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, you, you, so, oh, you thought she was saying a fula? A fula. Like you're, you're googling. Like who is this? A fula? A fula. In the- <laughs> A fueler. So a lot of people call me a what? A fueler. A fueler. But I, I say we call the character that we've, and a lot of people have been sending us pictures of the action figure, Goss Towers. Goss Towers. Goss Tours. Tours. Yeah. yeah. That's that's how you say it. And and they're saying, well, this must be Artie's fueler character. But Artie has refuted that. So we're oh. gonna we're gonna try to figure out exactly which character this this fueler is. But I say that we give it the name, the canon name of Fula. So a Fula the Fueler. A Fula the Fueler. So uh-huh. yeah, I heard it here first. So you name your kid Fula in the Star Wars universe. What what career path could they possibly choose other than a Fueler? I no a Fula. A Fula. A Fula. Yes. Oh. Fula. Right. Well, it sounds a lot prettier when she says it. Oh, too. Where's a fula? Um, you mean a fueler? <laughs> says Midwestern guy. Yeah, right. Um, so we got that. Uh, number two, someone on the show made the comment, and I think it was you, Jason. Uh-oh. Yeah, I'll throw you under the bus. Okay. Do made that. the comment that the bad guys have the British accents. Oh, yeah. And the good guys have the American accents, and everyone... Reminded us of Sir Alec Guinness's portrayal of Obi Wan Kenobi and Ewan McGregor's, for that matter. So, so we're getting a couple there. Um, now, I think what you're going to say is that what we were thinking more like all of the Imperials 
primarily had that British accent. But of course, if we if we said that no good guys have the English the uh, and I and I did English say that accent. I think I said none of the heroes have yes. English accents. So everyone, and, yes, yeah, the Obi Wan yeah. Kenobi fan club filled up our <laughs> inbox. <laughs> yeah, I, that was a misspeak, and it it actually is um, kind of you know maybe it was even a little prophetic because um, of course ignoring the one connection that we do have on the on the good guy side for that accent. Does that perhaps illuminate one possibility for Ray's heritage, her lineage? Could she be, and there's a lot of speculation about this, could she be somehow tied to Obi-Wan Kenobi genetically by blood? Um, there's even one crazy idea about could she be related to both Luke and Obi-Wan? And I had to really get my, you know, my thinking cap on that. I'm like, how could she? But the theory is could Obi-Wan have had a child who later hooked up with Luke and then they had a child and that would be Ray. So yeah, there's a trip. So your dad's Luke Skywalker. Your grandfather is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, that, that's, uh, that's, that's quite a theory. I don't know that I, I ascribe to that, but I do stand by my statement, Obi-Wan notwithstanding, that I feel as though there is some significance in Daisy Ridley being allowed to keep not just a slight British accent, but I think a fairly um, distinct, very obvious, uh, you know, English accent that, you know, John Boyega has a very uh, thick English accent, but is able to turn on the, uh, the American uh, when he needed to. And did so very, very well. I never questioned it. It wasn't sort of in and out like, uh, you know, young Carrie Fisher's was in A New Hope. So the fact that they did that and allowed Daisy Ridley to have that accent, I still think it might might shed some light on her, uh, you know, where she comes from. Might not. But, yes, massive oversight on my on my <laughs> part to... Uh, not think back to uh, Alec Guinness and uh, Ewan McGregor, um, and, did we and, and 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 Liam Neeson. But you know, you, you can't really say that Liam um, has. I think Liam is pouring on more of an American accent as Qui Gon than he is any kind of British accent. Oh yeah, sure you know, or or, or Irish accent. Well, you know, you gotta try to speak like they do over in the states. You know, you you say, "Hey, come and give me a hamburger." You know, you, you gotta cowboy up. You know, you gotta... but I mean, that's another thing. I mean, you don't have any. You don't. Ha- I mean, there's there's a guy with a with an accent. He doesn't have it. You know, they pretty much strip it out of him for the for Qui Gon. So you know, I do think that there's conscious decision making happening. Could it end up just being that Daisy Ridley was this perfect, brilliant? I mean, you read uh, any of her co-stars and particularly J.J. Uh, Abrams talking about her. There's no one on the planet that could have played this role like Daisy. And after seeing her performance now four times, I believe it. But could it have been that she was perfect in every respect for, except for the fact that she can't do a vanilla uh, Midwest American accent, which, you know, I'm not trying to sound uh, – what are they, uh, you know, where, uh, you know, you think that your country is the only thing that matters, whatever that is. Um, but that is the fact that in Hollywood, they generally try to give uh, actors with accents, uh, they try to break them of that and give them that sort of Midwestern American sort of plain vanilla uh, way of speaking. So that's not me. That's Hollywood. Well, Just I saying. would say, you know, I would say. Maybe, but there's this new animated feature coming out 
I think it was just released. It's called Only Yesterday, and it stars Daisy. It's an animated feature, but it stars Daisy, and I believe she does do an American accent in the film. That's reports. Oh, I got. see now if that if that's happening, if that's the case, then I, I think that that really does speak to there being some significance there. All right. Well, hold on. Here's the trailer All right. for only yesterday. Let's see if we can hear some of Daisy and uh, see what her American accent sounds like if she does indeed have one. Oh, whoa. Hey, Taika. When my sisters recall the good old days, it's mainly about fashions or pop stars. For them, 1966 was the high point of their youth. But for me, it was just fifth grade. All right, well, there you go. I mean, that's a pretty convincing American <laughs> accent, right. I think. Yeah, it is. So clearly she's got the skill. So, yeah, I think it does. I think it, there is some significance there. Um, we just don't have enough information to know what that is. But it, it could be uh, just one more piece of evidence to establish a, a connection between Ray and uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. Perhaps <laughs> we'll be talking about that for a while. And yeah, you yeah. know what? I'm I'm on board with it. It's real easy just to assume that Ray is Luke's daughter, but I kind of like to keep the door open to all possibilities. And I would love a massive twist to happen. I mean, what if there's a part where Luke appears in front of Kylo and says, "I am your father." And Kylo's like, well, wait a second. Who's that guy I stabbed on the, the catwalk right back there? Yeah, wait. You know, what? Oh, if anyway, you just, wait, you just blew my mind. No way. No way. Oh, no my way. gosh. You just blew my mind. Not happening. Not happening. I mean, because because Hans says to Leia, every time you look at me, you see. Right, right. You see it's okay, obviously. Yeah. Still, you're, you really fried me there for a minute. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm what sorry. a twist. I'm trying to consider all possibilities here. <laughs> I'm trying to consider all possible. Yes, but Jimmy Mac clearly. <laughs> I'm just mixing it up, you in know? issue number three of Darth Vader, <laughs> there is a frame. There's a picture frame of Kylo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kylo. No, no, no. Couldn't be in Darth Vader. No. With his godfather, no. Kitster. Shattered Empire. <laughs> they elude. Thank you, Kylo. Leia's favorite guy. name for a boy is Kylo. Comic no, book is Ben. By in. the way, there's a little real world connection. Doesn't Harrison Ford have a son named Ben? He does. Who's a chef? Yes, I didn't even think of that. That's amazing. Yes, Chef Ben Ford, who uh, is uh, he's a gastro pub chef in L.A. So what you don't know about that scene is that just happens to be a day that uh, Ben Ford meandered on the set. Ben, <laughs> get out I, of the shot. They're like, whoa, wait a second here. <laughs> yeah. Like JJ, all of a sudden sits up. It's like, finally, <laughs> finally, somebody is writing this movie for me. <laughs> Your source for the force. Let's get into uh, our next interview. So, Jim, you had a chance to uh, do what many, 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 many professionals have said never do, which is work with your spouse. <laughs> but you uh, jumped on the uh, midday slot on WGN, the flagship uh, station there of, uh, of Chicago radio. Huge, huge, huge history with this radio station. And uh, your wife, Wendy, Wendy Snyder, is the host of the midday program there. Uh, but you got to jump on and do two hours worth of Star Wars talk. Yeah, and it was their idea. 
But, I mean, this is great. You know, we're keeping it all in the family here on this episode of Rebel Force Radio. So um, me and my wife got to spend some time together behind the microphones at WGN. You're right, Jason. It's a heritage radio station here in Chicago. Been going strong for more than 90 years and uh, is really well known throughout a lot of uh, the country, actually, because the signal is so strong, it can be picked up everywhere. Well, and, and the TV station, too. Of course, yeah, yeah, WGN uh, Channel 9 here in Chicago. Uh, Wendy normally hosts middays with her partner, Bill Left. Bill was away for the holidays, so they figured, hey, you know, it, it, everyone's talking about Star Wars. Let's get Jimmy Mack in here, and uh, let's just have a good time with it. And we did. We took calls, and we talked a lot about Star Wars, and we had on an actress who actually was in The Force Awakens, Gloria Garcia, and she plays Dasha Promenti. You can see her. She's actually the first actress you see on screen four minutes into the film. When, uh, when the uh, First Order raids the Jakku village, she is the very attractive woman who uh, takes arms up against the invading troops. And uh, you see her. She gets a nice close-up, nice featured shot on film. And she's also featured in the uh, visual guide as well. And she reached out to me. Gloria reached out to me. Uh, she has a Chicago connection. And uh, you'll hear what it is. Uh, me and uh, Wendy interviewed her. It's her very first ever Star Wars interview. It was on the air on uh, WGN Radio. And now you can hear it here on Rebel Force Radio. Mixing it up today, uh, Wendy Snyder here along with my husband Jimmy Mack, Hello. who is our resident Star Wars expert, fan, host of Rebel Force Radio, heard right. on WGN Plus. <laughs> WGNplus.com. Is that it? Or WGN, yeah, WGN Plus. You can also go to WGNradio.com. And we have um, a guest who is um, actually in the new Star Wars movie, The Force Awakens. And, Jim, I will let you introduce her. There we go. It's really interesting. Uh, Biggest uh, (laughs) film release of, uh, gosh, the decade, uh, maybe of all time. And uh, we have a Chicagoan who actually appears in the movie. Not only does she appear in the movie, she is the first actress we actually see on screen. Her name is Gloria Garcia. She plays a character known as Dasha Promenti. Am I saying that right, Gloria? <laughs> you are, yeah. Dasha Promenti. And uh, it's amazing because <laughs> yeah. uh, somehow... You are geeking out a little bit, i got to tell you. Gloria, somehow you went from Cook County Sheriff to uh, a galaxy far, far away. And I want to hear the journey. I want to hear your path. Oh what led you to London and appearing in Star Wars The Force Awakens? Well, wow, it's such a long story. I was a Cook County Sheriff. We're not going to say how many years ago, but um, I trained um, as a sheriff when the SORT team was still around, which was the Special Operations Response Team uh, in Cook County, And because uh, I, I grew up in Cicero. And then, you know, quick steps ahead, um, I ended up in L.A. and then from L.A. here to London, and um, by by a fluke, my my husband got street casted by Star Wars, which what does that mean? Street him. casted. Um, somebody saw him on the street. God, I am waiting just... for that day. <laughs> 
to be in what I don't know. Not you know, not an adult movie or anything. But so, how does that work? Somebody just runs up to your husband hey, and says, "Name like Dasha Pramenti. It may be an adult movie." No, I'm <laughs> but how does that work? I mean, just somebody randomly runs up to your so husband on the street and says, randomly, "You want to be on Star Wars?" Yeah. No. 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 They don't mention what movie. It is. They're not allowed. So they street casted him and they said what they were looking for, dark skin, light eyes. And he said, oh, my wife would be perfect for this. So they contacted me and then we ended up getting booked for like, you know, a month on this gig, which we never knew what it was. And so lo and behold, two days before they axed me out and they kept him on and they said, oh, you're not needed. And I thought, oh, what a bummer. So then the night before they called me back and they said, okay, what about coming in, you know, and, and doing it? And I said, sure. So I went in not knowing what it was yet. And then when we went on set was really kind of the first time anybody knew what it was. And Star Wars, what did you think? Like, oh my God, I'm in like, oh my God. It was the most incredible experience because you literally see, you know, all the paraphernalia. Then you see the stormtroopers. And when you see the stormtroopers, then you know, like, your reality is hit that you are on a Star Wars set. It was unbelievable. That is absolutely amazing. And are you a Star Wars fan? Are you a Star Wars fan? Can I call you Dasha? I I want to call you Dasha. (laughs) (laughs) That's awkward. He's looking at your, your picture in costume right now, and uh, you're pretty hot, i got to tell you. That is hilarious. I, it, it was the best experience. I've got to tell you what happened was, you know, we literally were on set, and then um, they had called for a couple of the, the girls to come on and, like, um, pick up guns and start waving their guns around and everything. And then the director, J.J. Abrams, looked over at me and said, my God, you look like you're going to kill me. And I thought, oh, Jesus, for the love of God, it's my second day in. I'm going to be fired already, right? <laughs> and instead... Um, they started fussing over me and put me on, you know, on the main set. And he personally directed me and he asked what I did in my past for a living. And I told him a Cook County Sheriff. And he said, you know, um, okay, so the scene is you're protecting this village and, you know, this is what's happening. And, you know, just like get in that mentality. And I was like, not a problem. And then we did about two shoots and then that was it. And it was just amazing. It was amazing. And so literally I'm really the only other girl, um, in Star Wars, if I'm not ruining it, with, with a gun. I'm the only other one who's got the gun. So for people who have not seen the movie yet, or for people who are going to see it again, where do we look for you? Right it's at the, right in the, it's right in the beginning. I don't want to say what the yeah. scene is because it sets the whole, you know, it sets the whole precedence for the for the film. But yeah, you'll you'll see me with and it, me. It's me and my rifle. Yes, <laughs> it's a chick holding guns. A, a girl from Cicero done well. Amazing, and of course you have combat training and you know how to actually use real firearms. Yeah. So I, yeah. I did you tell that to JJ and did well, that weigh they, in his decision? Well, yeah, I weighed in his decision because when he saw me pointing the gun, that's when he looked at me and said, my God, you look like, you look like you're going to kill me. And then that's when he asked me, what did I do for yeah. a living? Yeah. So ah. it, it worked out well. And so, yeah, I'm still I'm here in London and I've, um, I'll be uh, in The Infiltrator next year mm-hmm. uh, with Brian Cranston and Brad Furman um, directed that. So I've got a little you know, part in there. So I'm, I'm, it's changed. It's, it's awesome here. And I also see you were inspector. So you, you obviously must live close to Pinewood Studios because that's I, where all these movies are being filmed. 
Yeah, Inspector, um, the opening shot when there's actually the silhouettes of everybody like moving around. Uh-huh. Um, I'm the Monica Bellucci silhouette. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and so I did a couple stand-in things for her, yeah. So, But it's, it's, it's really cool. It's just been a blast, and I, I absolutely love it here. And then a couple of British soaps, you know, that I've kind of peered into, um, which has been great. But Star Wars, without a doubt, was definitely like, you know, that is just the cherry on the cake that one absolutely and people waited when was the last one out jim How, 10 years, ten years ago? ago yeah so people have been waiting ten for years. 10 years and they couldn't wait uh in our house we had like a calendar like how many minutes left till the movie opens <laughs> um so everybody was waiting to see this movie and there you are armed and ready to roll a chick with a gun <laughs> straight from sister o. love it <laughs> Well, congratulations to you. What a what a great honor. And uh, it sounds like your career was bubbling a little bit, but this has now pushed you over to the to the not the dark side. What's the opposite? (laughs) The opposite is the light side. It is the light side. That doesn't sound right to me. That's what it's called. The light side is the right side, baby. (laughs) See, Dasha understands. You two are hilarious. Uh, Gloria, it's It's so nice to meet you. Gloria Garcia, it was really, uh, it's so cool because Jim came home and he said, you know, I just, uh, I contacted, I was contacted by this girl from Chicago who was in the movie so that, you know, his, the hair on the back of his neck went up and said, oh, how cool is this, Gloria Garcia? And I mean, really to be in that movie, what what an amazing story. Thanks for reaching out to him and for being on the air with us. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. Are you kidding me? I think you guys are great. Thank you. Is there anyone still in Cicero that you want to say hi to, Gloria? (gasps) To my mom. Say hello to her. My mom, who's in Chicago. Yes. Mama Promenti, we call her. (laughs) (laughs) That actually really does fit in the Cicero, too. Hey, Mama Promenti. (laughs) Mama Promenti. Yeah, and and a shout-out to my husband, because if he didn't get streetcasted, I would have never been in it, right? (laughs) Oh, by the way, what role did your husband play? Can we see him in the film? You know what? He's in the same. He's in the same battle as as I am. But you know, they didn't end up showing any of the guys. Uh oh. There's just you yeah. Know, sorry. Yeah. They love the women. I got to tell you, that's what's so exciting about this movie. Again, uh, spoiler alert. Not really, but I just want to say it in case you want to sure. tune away for a second. It's it really empowers women. Let me just say that. Oh, that's no spoiler yeah. at all. And I'm really, I'm really happy about that and proud of it. Maybe that's why this is the first Star Wars movie I want to go see again in the theater. Yeah. Well, right? I know, so let's I hope know. I'm in the second one. Let's hope I'm in the next one. Right? Bigger well, part, bigger deal. Yeah. I hope you keep in touch with JJ. <laughs> <laughs> that's really fantastic that you stood out in the crowd because there were several extras in that scene, and for you to yeah. stand out, I mean. You obviously were doing a lot of right things on, on set to, to catch J.J. Abrams' attention. Like hey, that. knock on wood, right? Timing is everything, isn't it? Now, aren't like friends freaking out and calling you and saying, oh, my God, I love that scene you were in. It was you on yeah, the big... Well, they couldn't believe it. And it's funny because when he was walking, when he directed me and then he was walking away back to his camera for them to film it, he literally said, you know what? He goes, the people in Chicago and your friends you worked with the, the, the Cook County are going to look and go, oh, is that is that Gloria? And I was cracking up going, yeah, he can't be serious. Because you're, you have to realize we, we did this like going back two years ago. It's already been almost two years that we've that we filmed this. That's true. So no one thinks of that. Edited in. Yeah. Right. So you've probably been bursting at the seams just to share your experience. I was. 
Yeah. And then to finally see the film and see you so prominently there at the beginning. Wow. That's, I mean, that's just amazing. And you know, in star Wars, if you're on screen for even a millisecond, you become legendary. Oh, there's going to be an action figure maybe of you. There could be an action figure. There could be. Let's only hope, right? Oh, that'd be kick. Conventions. That'd be so cool. Go to fan conventions. The first place I'm coming over to is by you guys. So we can hang out. (laughs) Oh, that would be great. That'd be great. Yeah, definitely. Action figures in Chicago all day long. (laughs) Yeah. Definitely. Let us know if you're coming into town and how can people get a hold of you? Well, it's on my Twitter page, which is the um, at Dasha Promenti. But um, I've noticed there's a few. There's a, there's a few other fakers. So mine is the one that says at Dasha Promenti, and then it's at Gloria Santi 11. Gloria and Santi so 11. You'll, yeah, Gloria Santi 11, and you'll see at Dasha Promenti. So, and I'm, I'm so quick to answer messages back and everything because I think that that's, you know, that's a part of the whole thing. You know, well, you're in it for everybody else. Well, well yeah, yeah now, the, now you're part of the fandom, and, and those fans of Star Wars uh, are so loyal and so worldwide that uh, you got yourself a pretty good gig there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Well, continued success to you, Gloria Garcia from Cicero, uh, who has made it big, and you can see her on the big screen. Can I just ask you, were you worried yeah. about, like, what if I have, you know, um, a, a booger in my nose or some facial hair that shows? Because you're, you know, the screen's pretty big. Do you know that they, um, you know, they made my, like your eyebrows and everything more like fuller. They made it like they changed your face a little bit. Do you know what I mean? So I was more nervous about going, oh, great. First scene ever on like major team, you know, major, major movie. And all of a sudden they're going to make you look like somebody completely different. But you realize it works and it's good. (laughs) Were you nitpicking, though, as you were looking at your face that big? Because, boy, that's big. They, no, 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 no. It was just funny to see myself on screen. Like, it was hilarious. You know, you just go, oh, is it going to be edited in or isn't it? And then uh, my husband had seen it because I was away, and he call, called me up and said, I have something to tell you. He goes, you're in. And I'm oh. like, you're kidding me. I know. And you're just like, what? It's like the coolest thing ever. Yeah. But being with the stormtroopers on set and seeing those guys, you know, Harrison Ford and a couple of those guys, you know, C-3PO walking around <laughs> and uh, meeting him, you know, Daniels, he was amazing. Like, incredible. Well, congratulations. And if you can hang on, we'll uh, keep in touch because you can be on Rebel Force Radio and we'd love to have you uh, in the studio. I love it. Excellent. Good luck. Continued success. I love it. May the force be with you. you. So nice to meet you, Dasha. I can't call her Gloria. She's Dasha to me. (laughs) You'll always be Dasha to me. (laughs) XX Dasha. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Gloria. Hang on. Okay. May the force be with you. There, we did it. Oh, she's a sweetheart. She is. So she knew how to pack a gun, you know, or handle a gun. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. I have the uh, Star Wars Visual Dictionary here with me. It just came out a couple of weeks with you. ago. You carry it with you all the time. <laughs> and uh, on page 15, you can see a picture of Gloria as Dasha. And um, it's really nice. She has unadorned hair. As, I mean, there's descriptions. Look, it says unadorned hair, and she's wearing the sash of the balanced. The sash. I need of to the get balanced. one of those because yeah. I'm very imbalanced. Yeah. So she's in the scene uh, toward the beginning of the film, uh, featuring Max von Sydow, Oscar Isaac, and it kicks off the entire adventure. That's a pivotal role. It's pivotal. 
Congratulations to her. You're a little jealous, aren't you? You're hoping that you're going to be walking down the street in front of the Allstate Showcase studio and George Lucas is going to look at you and go, hey, isn't that that Jimmy Brack guy? <laughs> well, you know, George does live here in I Chicago. I know. So maybe he'll know. street cast you for the next one. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. You never know. All right. Well, hold in there. Uh, it's Jimmy Mack. It's Wendy Snyder at 720. It's WGN. And if you want to hear uh, the entire program uh, with Jimmy and Wendy on uh, WGN, you can uh, check that out. We've got the link at rebelforceradio.com, and that's the whole two-hour extravaganza. Now, we have a little bit more coming up later from that program with Dean Richards, the WGN film critic. Uh, but, you know, Gloria, I mean, what an amazing experience. First of all, she gets picked out of obscurity to be even be on the set. And then once she's on the set, J.J. Abrams is like, oh, I love your look. Yeah, how about that? I mean, yeah. just being in the right place at the right time, no question about it. I wonder if, her, uh, if she ever crosses paths with uh, Paul Bateman, you know, because Paul, <laughs> Paul hangs outside of the walls there at Pinewood. He just walks around like, hey, look at me, everyone, you know, put me in Star Wars. So that's what you have to do. <laughs> Next thing you know, he's an Aqualish. Yeah. How that, so. No, no. He was a, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, not an Aqualish. Excuse me. Uh, calamari. Oops. Oops. Calamari. Yeah. Sorry. He was Italian appetizer. By the way, speaking of aquatic Star Wars species, did you, did you get the sense that um, Unkar Plutt is an aquatic species? Like a blobfish. Like a blobfish. I didn't realize that. Uh, kind of like the guy inside of him, a blobfish. But... <laughs> Uh, I have to. Yes, welcome. I know to, that's not possible. Welcome to 2016 on Rebel Force Radio, ladies and gentlemen. You'll find not right. much has changed. Yeah, right, right, all right. But anyway, I, that just surprised me because he didn't strike me as a as a as an aquatic species. But they do say in the visual dictionary that uh, he just goes wherever the action is, wherever he can turn a profit. And if that means he has to live in the desert planet, he's going to do it. Yeah, we. It's so. just like in the real world. You go where the work is. Rebel Force Radio. This is Sam Witwer, and you're listening to Rebel Force Radio with Jason and Jimmy Mack, your source for the Force. I have been waiting for you. You know it, you love it. From Tops comes the digital card collecting app, Star Wars Card Trader. Yes, collect and trade over 1,000 officially licensed Star Wars digital cards. All of your favorite characters, vehicles, and locations from the Star Wars universe are here, including replicas of those amazing and iconic original 1977 top Star Wars trading cards to futuristic all-new cards with exciting digital twists. And of course, you can find exclusive content from the all-time U.S. box office champ, Star Wars The Force Awakens. Download it today in the App Store or in Google Play. And of course, we're using the Star Wars Card Trader app here at Rebel Force Radio. You can always trade with us here 24-7, 365 days a year. Just search username Rebel Force Radio and do it all from the comfort of your mobile device. It's the Tops Star Wars Card Trader app. These are the cards you're looking for. All right, and to wrap up our highlights of Jimmy Mack's time at uh, WGN, we've got uh, Dean Richards. Dean is the WGN film critic. And, Jim, I know we very specifically avoided, and if I'm not mistaken, you still haven't really dived in deep to any critical, you know, proper critic reviews of The Force Awakens, but we didn't want any of that in our head going into our screening 
uh, our first experience seeing the film, not even the, the quote-unquote spoiler-free reviews that were floating around in the days leading up to the release of the film. Yeah, I didn't want to hear anyone's opinion, good or bad. I did Not even our hear... friends! No, I wouldn't even humor them with anything. <laughs> I was deleting emails. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I still have maintained that. I have not read a single review of The Force Awakens. I have people coming to me. They're saying, uh, hey, uh, you know, uh, people are saying Ray is a Mary Sue. Uh, Max Landis said this. I'm like, who's Max Landis? Who's Mary Sue? <laughs> Who cares? I thought, I thought Mary Sue was a, a Johnny Cash song. This sounds like a bunch of, like, millennial gender talk to me, and I just don't get it. So yeah. I, who cares? <laughs> you know, why do we have to label and define everything in this world? You know what? Ray is awesome. She kicks ass. That's all you need to know. Um, right. I, Max Landis, right. he's like, I think he's John Landis' son, the film director. Oh. Yeah, I guess he's, he's a big mouth on the internet. And, you know, okay. who cares? I'm a fan of his dad's. I, I never heard of Max Landis until somebody asked me. And I, I don't get the Mary Sue or is that what the Mary Lou, Mary Sue? Who cares? God. Um, so, I've, I, yes, I've been avoiding. <laughs> I've been avoiding a lot. I've been sticking my head in the sand and just enjoying and savoring this Star Wars release. I mean, it's not even a month old yet. I've been pretty out there and, and honest with you and, and all of our friends. And I know that there's a look, we're going to be talking about this movie for the rest of our lives, literally the rest of our lives. But I'm still not at the place where I'm ready to hear anybody rip on this movie. I just and I know that, you know, uh, we'll hear Dean talk about it here in just a moment. Uh, but there's that contrarian view that people feel that they have to have and represent uh, just to be contrarian. And we saw this film uh, paraded out and uh, heralded by, by, by critics and uh, regular folks alike. And then all of a sudden the backlash started co- happening and it, it, it took form in a really weird way. It manifested as an attack on the critics for being too easy on the movie. For being too, well, it, anything, you know, because it's not a prequel, uh, they're going to love it, and they love it, and you know, they're just so desperate for a decent Star Wars movie, so they fall all over it. I don't think that's the case at all. I think these critics, um, they know what they're looking for. I don't think, look, I, don't, I can't speak for Dean, but I know the way most journalists speak, and they were waiting to butcher this movie. They wanted to butcher it, but it came out, and there was no way that they could. It's just, I'm not saying it's beyond any kind of critique or criticism, but overall, you could not hatch it, this movie. And, uh, and, and th- there's people that have a real agenda and they want to come on the program and they want to do that or they want to send us emails and do that. And, and that's fine. I'm just not I'm not I, I'm not saying I'll never be at that place. I'm just certainly not at that place now. It's a buzzkill for me. I'm still on the high of this movie and I probably will be for a very long time. And I'm just not ready to hear someone savage it for the sake of savaging it particularly if you're savaging it because you don't like that they just didn't adapt 30 years of expanded universe into the movie. Get over that. Please get over it. Well said, Swank. Bravo. All right, with that said, let's uh, hear from Dean Richards, WGN film critic from Jimmy's time uh, hosting Middays with Wendy. 
All right, Dean Richards on the line with us. And um, I have to tell you, in our household, the Snyder Mac home, I was saying, Jim, you love Star Wars. Dean has given it an A. He's doing the, you know, earmuffs. He's like, I don't want to yeah. I don't want to hear Everybody, about it. Everybody's been doing that. I've, right. I have to, like, get into counseling now. I felt so rejected <laughs> the last two weeks. Yeah, no offense, I Dean. start talking and people are like, stop. I, I get it. I, I totally get it. <laughs> but now, Jim, how many times have you seen it? I've seen movie? it four times. Oh, that's awesome. I still have only seen it once. I haven't had time so, to uh, go. I, I still want to see it in uh, IMAX 3D. Yes, absolutely. That is the way to see it. Dean. Now, let me ask you this question, because I turned down my invite to the local press screening because I wanted to He could to have be... been sitting next to you t- on Tuesday when you saw it. Right, right. When, when they Wise move to not go. Because I felt like... It, 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 <laughs> Sit with all the critics. Yeah. Right. Let me tell you, you know, in 1976, George Lucas... It, 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 a lot of that going go. on. There you go. A lot of that going on. It's like, I, can I just watch this movie? Really? You're so validating my decision because... I wanted to be surrounded by the fans who had the passion for it, yes. and you get you feed off the energy from the audience. And I didn't want my first screening to be number one. I didn't want to be by myself. I wanted to be surrounded by my friends. Number but two, he didn't want to be with critics. I didn't I, want I to be with the stuffed shirts. Completely. Well, Dean isn't that. a stuffed. No, no. I'm, Dean is excluded from this Look, you, conversation. You get an auditorium full of people who only come out of their mom's basement one, two times a year. See, I told you. You know, it's, uh, I told you that Dean. Is doing the mom's basement thing, and then Steve Bertrand jumped in and said the uh, sales of Pine Sol has gone up because this is the first time moms <laughs> right. could clean their they basement. Get a chance to get down there, pick up right. the tater tots that have fallen in between the. Of course, we're talking. Of, we're talking about the film critics, right? That's who so, we're talking about so here. Right? Comfortable when I'm with them again next time. <laughs> Um, so Star Wars fans, my husband, Jimmy Mack, is a huge Star Wars fan. You can listen to Rebel Force Radio uh, at WGNplus.com. Now, you and Dean shared a George Lucas moment together. Yeah, I don't know if you remember this, Dean, but in uh, 2009, um, George Lucas was being honored by the Gene Siskel Film Center. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, there was just a handful of us in the, the press room, and uh, I was lucky enough to be among you guys. You, uh, yeah. You know, and there were some uh, other that was local cool. guys. That was cool. Now, were you the one that dropped to his feet and started, like, you know, grabbing onto his ankles? You know, I still have. Don't leave. You don't know, leave us. My my arm still hurts from the the beating I took from the security guys. <laughs> but um, no, you were you were just great to hang out with that day, and uh, I followed up with you afterwards, and you actually gave me some. Uh, some videos that you guys shot there, just random B-roll stuff where oh, I could cool. see myself in there oh, cool. with Lucas. And that was the first time I ever interviewed him. Yeah, he was, and he was very nice, right? I, I think he's very unassuming. And, you know, considering it's George freaking Lewis, uh, uh, Lucas, yeah. you know, he could be as full of himself as he wants to be, and it would still be justifiable. He is actually seeming seems to me, I've interviewed him a few times, a little bit shy, a little bit painfully shy. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, completely unassuming, considering the level of genius that this guy is on. It's kind of interesting, though, uh, Dean. We were in uh, a closed-off section right next to the ballroom where the big event was going to happen. Right. And I was standing right next to George as they opened the door so the public can 
float in and, and see him. And as I was standing next to him and those doors opened and I saw them, the, the autograph towns, they came up, they were almost like predators as they approached him. And I was standing right next to the man, seeing what he was seeing, experiencing what he was experiencing. Right. This is something that he goes through often. And I just felt him deflate a little bit. <laughs> this oh, is, well, I mean, imagine the, this was a fairly, when we saw him, it was a fairly controlled event. Imagine him trying to do anything in real life and, and the, the kind of attention and people trying to get autographs and pictures. And I mean, it, it must be very difficult to try to live any sense of a, a normal life, I, I would think, when you're at that level. This is true. But yet he does live here in, in the city um, part time. Obviously, he has another home in San Francisco. Area. He was out in Washington last night, though, because he was a recipient of the Kennedy Center honors last night. And well, that's that's yeah, amazing. That was, that was actually taped a little earlier this month, but uh, uh, and broadcast last night. So I, you know, I'm not really sure where he is right now. I'm so guessing, maybe he's here. I'm guessing he's. I think busy. Jim has him tied up in the green room. He's, he's, he's busy counting billions and billions of dollars that he made from the Disney company. Did you ever see King of Comedy? That's yeah. what Jim has him in the green room, right. all tied up. He's in, he's in a chair. <laughs> But, you know, George Lucas sightings on Michi- Michigan Avenue yeah. are frequent. He does just walk Oh, he just walked by the walk- Allstate well, Showcase Studio. I'm, I'm, right. Oh, he must have escaped. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Wearing a sign says the FBI wants me. <laughs> I haven't seen that guy a million times. But is this when you saw Dean for this? Is this when um, you were uh, thought to have tased George Lucas? Oh, right. Bill Zwecker wrote about this, too. I had a handheld recording device. Digital audio and it has built-in in microphones in the front, and it does sort of resemble a taser. It looks just like it. And so as George walked up to me, he said, what's that, a taser? Don't tase me. <laughs> don't tase me, bro. <laughs> don't tase me, bro. And it was right around that time when the don't t- tase me, bro thing yeah. was a meme or right. whatever you want to call it. So it's it's pretty funny uh, that, um, yeah, and, and Bill wrote about that. Citing that is an example of Lucas's laid-back humor. Yeah. Uh, I'm shocked that. Uh, the security people, well, I, maybe I'm not so shocked. I mean, there are so many different recording devices that people use now. It's the days of, you know, a, a reporter with a traditional-looking microphone are over. There's so many different kinds of uh, devices now, and the idea that somebody would come and tase George Lucas, uh, is a, I, I guess it's not completely out of control. I, still, I couldn't help there myself. That, there was that one crazy red carpet guy, like uh, uh, a... He was from another country, Uzbekistan or something, and he, his deal was on the red carpet to prank the people on the red carpet. He kissed Will Smith. He le- leans over and kisses Will Smith. He, Bradley Cooper was coming, and he dropped to his knees and like grabbed Bradley Cooper by the legs. This guy's now banned from if they even see him anywhere near a red carpet. They r- remove him. But I, So I guess the idea of somebody doing something in these crazy days is not... Uh, completely out of control. Right. Um, yeah, but it was. It's he's he's a pretty cool guy. It's uh, I've I've been extremely fortunate to be able to talk with him uh, a couple of times. I love that he's got this connection to Chicago. I love that the museum's going to be opening here. Uh, love love all that stuff. All right, we have to take a quick break. Are you cool on time? Are you still at WGN? I Boy, am. they work you so hard. 
Oh, poor me. I have to sit here and talk. Ooh, I'm exhausted. <laughs> talk about movies. Oh, some people have actual jobs, Wendy. Uh, yeah, I guess. Some people are outside shoveling snow right now. We're like, it's not oh, us. It's exhausting. I have to sit here and talk. <laughs> talk about movies. Cool. And hey, you're going to do it anyway. You might as well get paid for it. Oh, my George Lucas memories. I'm so exhausted. <laughs> Although it's pretty funny because Jim has fond, I mean, he remembers them in greater detail than you do. <laughs> George, you know, George Lucas? Yeah, because yeah, you know. yeah. it's like, I remember what I was wearing that day. I know, you know. Is he like uh, Chris Farley with Paul McCartney? Like a little that, bit. Like that kind of level? A little bit. Remember when you ate Star Wars? <laughs> remember Remember when you thought of, uh, you thought of Yoda? Remember that? <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> hey, Dean, because I didn't hear your review, because I wanted to remain as spoiler-free as possible, I, I know yep. you've talked about the film on, on the air before, but just maybe, you know, in, in a bullet point sort of fashion, what really stood out about this film and what do you think about uh the 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 fallout now that's happening where people are actually critiquing the critics and saying that the only reason the force awakens is getting such glowing reviews is because it is not a star wars prequel which was oh you know which all those films opened to sort of mixed reviews i think the reason that this movie is getting such good reviews is that it's such a good movie i, I mean I, it's not just the critics either it's plain and simple yeah. it's it's everybody i, I mean I, I maybe i don't know how many people i've talked to about this film let's say a thousand maybe uh i would say literally there have been one or two people that didn't give a bad review of the film they just you know they 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 just want to be contrary some people just want to be contrary no matter what it is of course there, there are people like that uh this movie has gotten such great reviews and there's uh, such great business for this movie uh because it's so good uh the super fans like yourself that are going four and five times that's driving some of this business but that's not driving this record-breaking business uh to where it's just broken the one billion dollar mark people are going because this is a beloved franchise uh, it's returned to its former glory. That's a big deal. That's a big deal that J.J. Abrams has been able to pay such respectful homage to the first three movies, in particular the first one. Um, and you know, not not trash the uh, the second three, or uh, you know, that would be uh, one one, two, and three right, episodes prequels. one, two, and three, uh -huh. but the fourth, fifth, and sixth in in their release order. Uh, I think that's the the power of this is that it's it's done so well. Uh, often when when you see uh, actors from uh, you know previous uh, incarnations of something, they come back. They're there just as a novelty. They're just there so you can go. Oh, there's. Uh, the guy who played Starsky and Starsky and uh, <laughs> you know, something like that. Unless but, it's Huggy Bear, really. Uh, well, who cares? Right. <laughs> but usually they're just there. It's it's a quick drive-by. I mean, in a literal sense, it's a cameo. In this film, most of the, the uh, original players are there for substantial reasons, and it, it, it makes a lot of sense. But the new people in this movie are just as great. Yes. They're, they're just as charismatic. They're just as powerful uh, th th I think that this is so great because J.J. Abrams has managed to pay homage at the same time, but also create this wonderful original story uh, at the same time. Uh, you uh, And create uh, why we love these movies in the first place, because they were fun. They're funny. They're exciting. There's a science fiction element to it. There's a fantasy element to it. There's, you know, that sense of Saturday morning matinee adventure all the things that we loved about the original movies that 
the the prequels uh, didn't have. That's why people are, are loving this so much and going so crazy about it. Absolutely. And, yeah, you cannot underestimate how brilliant the casting is, especially with the unknowns. John Boyega, Daisy Ridley. I Daisy mean, they, Ridley was fan. Superstar. Fantastic. Both, yeah, of, instant them, both of them superstar. And who's the other uh, one, the guy who played John Finn? Boyega. Yeah. Love him. John Boyega was great. Oscar Isaac was great. Uh, the guy who... Um, uh, the guy who's uh, the uh, the villain, Adam Driver. Oh, fantastic! As, as Kylo Ren. Yes, uh, he was great. Fantastic! All, all these these new people uh, in the movies uh, that will you know carry on. You know, for those who have seen it, clearly, I'm I'm so excited. I couldn't be more excited for Episode Eight now, uh, based on what's happened in this movie, based on the way this movie ends, uh, based on the new characters that are introduced that are going to further the saga. With a different director now, it's going to be kind of interesting with Episode Eight to see how uh, they they further the story under uh, the tutelage of uh, you know somebody else other than J.J. Abrams. So J.J. Abrams isn't going to do the next one? No, he's not. He's going to serve as an executive producer. Ryan Johnson is going to direct the next one and write it, and then the third one is going to be directed by Colin Trevorrow, who directed <laughs> Jurassic World. Which did pretty well at the box office too. Yeah, yeah up until about two weeks ago was the number one movie of the. Of, of, so that blew Avatar out of the water. Jurassic well, World, right? Well, not yet. Now, not yet. Yeah, oh, okay. Avatar is the all-time worldwide box office champ. At I was uh, asking Dean. You're the Star Wars expert. Oh. He's the movie expert. No, I, the, no he obviously knows <laughs> what he's kidding. talking about. But it's just a matter, you know, what? Give it uh, well, like maybe another two days, and it might. Uh, no, it's going to be more than that. Uh, Star Wars right now is at, I, I forget the exact figures, but is ha, has become the first film to break a billion dollars in the fewest amount of days. It it uh, beat uh, Jurassic World by one day in uh, oh. achieving that record. It's taken in a billion dollars. Uh, Jurassic World's total take was, I think, one point eight, I think, or maybe in the low twos. I'm I'm not remembering exactly, but overall worldwide take: Avatar, uh, Titanic, and Jurassic World. At the, at the rate that it's going, Star Wars: The Force Awakens will easily eclipse uh, Avatar. No question about it. This is the first Star Wars movie I want to go see again in the theater. And I love that it empowers women. I love it. That's a big factor here. My uh, my little niece, who is uh, 10 years old, she hadn't seen it yet. I think she's seen it now on Christmas. She hadn't seen it yet. Uncle Dean, I'm so excited to see this. I'm so excited that there's a girl who is the the hero in this movie. This 10-year-old girl. How great is that for little girls to see this powerful, caring, wonderful person as a powerful figure in motion pictures doesn't happen enough yeah and it's showing in the box office too the star wars franchise has never seen this amount of interest from female right. film goers yeah it's a pretty it's a ma- pretty male you when i was at the openings on thursday night and friday morning it was a, a boys uh, boys club absolutely <laughs> a boys club, definitely a boys club happy new year dino happy new year so great to talk to you guys and May the force be with you. And you, sir. Always. He said it. Master Jedi. All right, that's going to wrap things up here for this edition of Rebel Force Radio. I don't even say when, because I don't even know. I don't even know. We we haven't been on a weekly schedule in such a long time. 
So if you're getting it, you're getting it. That's all you need to know. Rebel Force Radio, uh, we can't let up. It's uh, exciting times here for Star Wars fans. We know you're excited. We're excited. So I hope you don't mind. But we're going to keep talking about all this stuff as long as you keep listening. And uh, we have been, by the way, don't forget, we've got the Force Awakens Roundtable. That was just released uh, fairly recently with um, Sam Witwer, Kyle Newman, David Collins, F.J. DeSanto, Paul Bateman. That's a great conversation. Also, Star Wars Oxygen Volume 25, uh, Jimmy Mack and David Collins leapfrogging things a bit and going right into The Force Awakens. And that's just part one. It sounds like you guys got more in store for us on Star Wars Oxygen. Yeah, and we're going to be coming out with episodes more frequently, not necessarily monthly. You might get a a, a couple of them in January. We have a lot to say about Force Awakens and the soundtrack, and uh, we know that's what all Star Wars fans are talking about. And everyone's dying to hear David's analysis of the music of John Williams in this great film. And the music is definitely worth digging deep into. Um you don't just sit there and listen to this once and nod your head and walk away. You really have to study this soundtrack yeah. and, uh, and, and understand the fact that the story is being told through the music. So it's all fantastic. We love David. We love having him here on Oxygen. And keep your eyes on the feed because me and Jason have something really special planned for you guys coming very soon. And uh, yes. of course, it has to do with The Force Awakens. So, <laughs> so stick around for that. Hey, and- speaking of music, I do want to mention that uh, if you didn't catch this, but Star Wars in Concert is coming back in 2016. Right. right now, there's just a splash page. If you go to StarWarsInConcert.com, you can sign up for the newsletter. But it looks like that tour is going to happen. And, Jim, I'm sure it will include music from Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. Oh, you bet it. It will. You you know it will. There's a little insert that came with the actual physical CD release of the soundtrack, too. I don't seem to have it with me, but, uh, yeah, Star Wars in concert coming back sometime in 2016. So might have to go out to L.A. to see it with David. I might have to go to Cleveland to see it with you. And, of course, I'll see it here in Chicago. So it's going to be an awesome time. Uh, I saw the first go around. I know you did, too, Jason. Mm -hmm. And, uh that's, I mean, to see and hear the music of Star Wars performed by a full symphony orchestra in a concert setting is amazing. It's with huge. Incredible it's huge. amplification and uh, light show and clips from the films and Anthony Daniels. Uh, everything about it is fantastic. Hey, by the way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a, a quick plug here. I don't do this very often, but I do work at the uh, second largest performing arts theater, uh, perform, excuse me, performing arts center in the country. And if you like... Great orchestral music from sci-fi and uh, genre films. We've got, actually, Star Trek The Ultimate Voyage coming in concert. It's a 100-city tour. It's going to be in Cleveland on March 11th, and it looks phenomenal. I know there are a lot of folks out there like me that like both Star Wars and Star Trek. 50 years of Star Trek on film and with a live orchestra in a theater, so it's not going to be at one of the big arenas, and that, not that the arena shows aren't great, but there's an intimacy level to hearing a, a, uh, an orchestra in a actual concert hall in a theater, and that's coming up March 11th. You can find out more at uh, StarTrekUltimateVoyage.com. So forgive the plug, but it did um, uh, remind me that we have that great thing coming, and I'm going to be hanging around. So if you see it in Cleveland on March 11th, you'll see me. Wow, what a trip! Right. Mm-hmm. And you'll probably have your fancy clothes on with your 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 French cuffs. Your, your, <laughs> no, your... I'm going to have my Star Wars T-shirt on. <laughs> Ooh, thank God! At Thanks. the Star Trek concert. All right, uh, well, you know what it's um, 
good. That's good. Because I wanted you to say something Star Warsy. I didn't want you to go out on this show. No, no, right. no, no, no. But we can, we can. Now, you know, it's going to be very interesting, Jim, because I remember, uh, I think it was the second Next Generation movie that came out right before Phantom Menace and like uh, uh, the early part of 99. And uh, I remember working at the movie theater and sweeping up the popcorn thinking, all right, you Trekkies, you've got your moment now, but just wait, just wait till May. We're going to have our moment. It's the reverse. We've got a new Star Trek film being uh, written by Simon Pegg, and they got a big, big, big (laughs) act to follow. I, I, I I mean, Star Wars is just wiping the mat with Jurassic Park, Titanic, Avatar is next. Um, there's no limit to what I think this film is going to do. It surprised a lot of people. And uh, I, the latest statistic I heard is about 40-some percent of the uh, tickets being sold now are second and third viewings Absolutely. of the movie. Yeah, um, latest uh, figures show us that The Force Awakens has crossed the $1.5 mark worldwide. So I think uh, definitely Avatar is within its reach. With its uh, 2.7 billion globally, I think uh, I think the Force Awakens will cross three billion globally when it's all said and done. You don't think the third Star Trek film uh, is any threat? No, but uh, I hope it's a good one. <laughs> I do too. I I do hope it's good. I do hope it's good. Uh, anyway, so uh, thank you so much for all the great feedback. Uh, everybody has been. Fantastic. We, we're so glad that you're enjoying the Force Awakens coverage here on Rebel Force Radio. You know, it really is your source for the Force Awakens and a whole lot more. So, uh, and I certainly am enjoying talking about it. Jim, I know you are. You've been, uh, this was supposed to be uh, a vacation, right? There's no vacation. There's no downtime. We got a new Star Wars movie out. Yeah, you guys know it. You guys know it. We're going to keep going until we can't do it any longer. And then by then, Rogue One will be out. That's right. That's right. We'll soon be uh, turning our focus towards the uh, all. And then, Jim, I mean, my gosh, we're going to be in the theaters for Rogue One, knowing that five months after that, we've got episode eight. It's just. Wow. Wow. That's right. And and cameras start to roll on episode eight here later this month. Yeah, in just a few weeks. So take your vitamins. It's going to be very Star Wars-y. That's that's the the forecast. Star Wars. (laughs) Uh, don't forget, if you want to hang out with us, you know what? The very best thing you can do is go to rebelforceradio.com. we got links to our Facebook page, our uh, Twitter accounts. Uh, all of that is right there. Uh, it really is your central source for everything here at Rebel Force Radio Central. Um, as well as a new contact page. So you can go to the just contact. and You don't even have to remember that the email addresses show at rebelforceradio.com. You can just fill out the little form. And hits away. We get the message, and uh, we love hearing all the feedback about the brand-new website. Um, So please do keep that coming. And uh, don't forget to check out the About RFR page, where you have links to all of the folks that you hear on the program, you know, like Paul Bateman and uh, David Collins and Kyle Newman and Sam Witwer and FJ, and even Tyler the Intern is on there. And you can click through and uh, follow them on their uh, various social media channels. So it's, again, one great central location for everything and all things Rebel Force Radio. RebelForceRadio.com. I think that does it for us. We'll see you next time here on Rebel Force Radio. For RFR, I'm Jason. I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember, the Force will be with you always.
Well, of course, Heinz going floating off into the atmosphere. Yeah. I was like, oh, no. 